This week's episode of the Co-Optional Podcast is proudly sponsored by Squarespace. Get 10% off your first order at squarespace.com slash co-optional. Create your own professional-looking website with no prior knowledge required at squarespace.com slash co-optional. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast. Uh, actually, is it? Is it really, though, today? Not it's not, is it? The round optional. Welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for being a guest, TB. I appreciate the, it. The co <laughs> scum cast. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, because people seem to be under the assumption that we're going to run the show and you're going to be the guest, and I'm like, well, we didn't sign up for that. No. <laughs> That's way too much work for us. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you think they're getting paid? <laughs> no. No, no, no. They're here to shamelessly plug and sort of hang around the place for three hours, which is good. I'd like to, of course, welcome the entire cast of the Roundtable podcast. It's like, we usually have four people. We squeezed in a fifth, redid our overlays, now they look a lot worse. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. The leader of said mob, Northern Lion, welcome back to the show wow, for the third time. No, 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 no one voted him leader. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. We tend to operate with a flat corporate structure. Uh, <laughs> if anything, I just try to bring everybody down. They handle all the administrative work, and I just show up whenever Craft Services gets there. But I'm, I'm happy to be I'm there. I'm sorry, do you say Craft Services? Craft do they service. deliver, do they deliver American cheese to you? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Kraft was actually, uh, Robert Kraft was originally a Canadian and then he moved to America? I'm just throwing that out that's, there. That's not so, even true. All this American cheese that you guys have been eating is actually Canadian American. You're just pushing big macaroni again. That's all you're doing. <laughs> that's all I do. God damn it. We need a sponsorship from Big Macaroni. I'd take that money. I would. I really would. No problem at all. All is, all is totally good. So if it's not Northern Lion, then who is it exactly? I suppose it would be me then, bear. right? Yeah. Bear, bear put it all together. So I act as our host, which puts me in the interesting position today of not really knowing what to do with my hands. I'm sort of just, I guess this is how these lazy assholes feel every week. They just show up, right? When, right. The, when, the, so you do. when the services table is here, as you mentioned. Yep. You do not need to worry at all about <laughs> any sort of production values. I mean, we don't actually have any of those. So oh, neither do we, yeah. No. <laughs> It's all a giant facade. It's, it's a lie. It's a deception wrapped in an in, in, in enigma. An enigma. An enigma. That's, That's really word. hard to say. That's why most people don't, I assume. <laughs> so if Mr. Bear Taffy is the leader of this uh, merry band, who who would be the bard? Oh, it's got to be Mavis. Damn it. No. I don't want to be <laughs> Well, but Ryan's the one that sings every time. Yeah, Brian sings. Yeah. Brian sings. He's the one that is the bard. Ryan's what the bard. Are, what okay. is... What are other D and D classes? Because I'm struggling right here. Warrior? Eh, I don't know. No, no, no. First of all, it's fighter. Sorry. Of course, the bard would correct you on that. <laughs> bard acknowledge, baby. 
He knows who he's talking about. So what class is Mathis then? If he's not the bard, when what could he Answer possibly be? Level one, slime. Is slime a class? <laughs> no. When Mathis is playing, it is. Yeah. Ah, Chaos okay. demon. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I 100% want to trust that as a party member. Honestly, what abilities does it have? More importantly. He's more of a wild card, isn't he? I mean, you, you, you don't ever well, predict like a wild, a wild mage. Know that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Work. I'm going to stand yes. well back, I think. Why don't you introduce yourself, Mattis, instead of relying on testimonials? Other people. Yeah, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> asking what class I am. Hey, what's up? I'm Mattis. Thanks for having me. The end. Done. Yeah. Great. Good Good. Good work on the self-promotion there. Excellent. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Rockley Smile, welcome to Hi. the show. Um, a Thank man you. who is not a rock, as it turns out. Not not right now. I'm working on it. I've been uh, sort of bit getting compressed into a tiny diamond over the last 20 years, but I'm working on it. So what you're I, telling me is you're really dense. I am very <laughs> dense indeed, yes. <laughs> Thank you very but, much for having me. Enough, of course. But also so arbitrarily valuable. True. Arbitrarily valuable. That can be my log line, I guess. <laughs> with with the blood of the innocent on your hands? Oh, hopefully not. Copper yeah, sure. Think deeper into that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, the problem is they dig, dig they did dig a little too deep, I think. They unleashed oh, the Balrog, yeah. apparently. Put <laughs> me back. Yeah. Nothing worse than that. I think that pretty much covers everybody, right? We got everybody good. We have yeah. we have five people on the show. That's uh, we have had that before, but it was not intentional. And it did not go well. Let me put it that way. The last time that happened, <laughs> that that makes me really confident about the next three hours for sure. Yeah. Well, oh, we did. Man, we planned this one. So. <laughs> low bar. We don't have to try as hard to be well, better. That's true. Yeah. You already are better than the last uh, situation. <laughs> the only situation where we had five people. So I think that's good. I'll take it. I'll take it's it. Working. Welcome to the Croftual Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. Of course, we're joined today by the entire cast of the Roundtable Podcast, who also occasionally talk about video games and other things. So I would truly expect derailing to happen. That is not only expected, but encouraged, actually. So, you know, it's, it's all good. That is all good. If it goes to plan, we're going to be talking about the games that we've been playing this week. It won't. And that'll usually last about two hours. We'll have some sponsor breaks in the middle of acts. I'd really like to sell you things. After that, we'll cover news, releases, and there will be shameless plugging in the last 10 or so minutes of the show, in which we desperately try to get you to go to our YouTube channel, not his. Now, <laughs> do, do something else entirely. Uh, we we also could we could have a chrono off Northern Lion because I hear you've uh, recently signed to Chrono.gg. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, indeed. Although I think neither of us have actually played today's game, so I'm not sure we want to promote it. Which one is today's? Uh, that is a great question, Northern Whatever Lion. Whatever it is, it's wonderful. <laughs> and if you go to Chrono.gg/NorthernLion, it's uh, somewhere between fifty and ninety-nine percent off, probably. Great promotion. I don't even know what that game is, so I'm refused to promote it. There's a goat in it. That's all I know. There's a goat. Like, so no, don't, don't give my money to don't give my don't give me money to me on this one. Go go give it to somebody who's actually played it. Not him. Yeah, <laughs> He's a liar. He's a scumbag liar. Uh, it's in good general, side though. I don't support uh, digital goats. Real goats, take them or leave them. Digital goats, I'm not about that. Yeah, fuck digital goats in particular. I would say. Specifically them, like nothing else <laughs> but that. 
We will say, by the way, the Chrono uh, ad popular demand has now added PayPal as an option. So if for some reason you trust PayPal more than Stripe, which makes no fucking sense, PayPal are awful, then by all means, you know, go for it. Uh, they do have PayPal available now. They do a new game every day. It's pretty awesome. And we sometimes promote them when we actually like those games. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some games that we've been playing this week. We have some, like, Masters of Indie here on the show, which is always <laughs> good. Uh, there is one I would like to kick off with, though, because I think quite a lot of us have played it, and it seems to be the sort of cause de jour, which is Enter the Gungeon. Uh, that is a thing. Uh, so who wants to kick off on Enter the Gungeon? Uh, one first. Hands up. Who's played it? This is going to make this very easy. All right. <laughs> I wish we need a wheel. I need, to, I need to have a wheel in the middle of this that I could spin around and determine who it is. I'm going to see if I can do that while you guys talk about it. So who wants to kick off on Gungeon? I'll go ahead and start off on Gungeon. Go. Just start it off. Uh, new series on it myself. I know this isn't the shameless plugging time, so I'm not going to do that just yet. Ah, but if you, I if you also sl- started. <laughs> me too, God me damn too. it. Me too, me too. We're all going to freaking play the game. <laughs> I, I did a stream of it, which is available, you know, it was playing before the show. I'm fucking <laughs> awful at it. <laughs> well, I think we're all, to a certain degree, pretty awful yeah. at it at this point. No, right? I'm pretty good at it, actually. Oh, oh okay. I'm amazing at it. And, so he claims. Uh, I've already flawlessed it, so there's no need to watch anybody else's content. Here comes Bear just lobbing this over the plate. Hey, you guys all suck at it too, right? I'm not alone. <laughs> no, no way. I'm the only one that's terrible. It's- Everybody pees their pants when they're scared, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Enter the Gungeon has most colloquially been identified as a mix between Nuclear Throne and The Binding of Isaac, which I think is pretty appropriate. That's fair. Uh, the, the, the most appealing part to it is the sheer amount of guns that can be acquired, and there's such a variety in the guns, too. There's a gun that shoots uh, icicles, there's a gun that just, uh, you got your machine guns, your AK-47s, your snipers, your shotguns, all that stuff, but then you've just got, like, an insane amount of variety in those weapons. There's a weapon that shoots bees, which I'm really looking forward to. There's a weapon that shoots fish, and it makes the uh, floor wet as well when the fish land, which I like a lot. (laughs) And the classic t-shirt cannon is in there as well. Oh, Oh, my God, yes. The anvil cannon, too. You gotta stop. I'm already too excited. Yeah. There's a gun based on everybody's second favorite Edmund McMillan game. And I'm oh, not right. talking about time. Binding of Isaac. So Binding of Isaac, too. then. You know, <laughs> the kind of thing that only idiots play, right? No, no comment. It's a, so there's a, yeah, there is a meat gun, I believe. The meat there's boy a, gun. There's yeah. a super meat gun. Of course yeah. there is. It has well, more weapons than Nuclear Throne, right? I, I think I saw that it did have significantly more. It, Nuclear Throne is like 109 weapons. I think it's just got then, like 200 and like 300 items or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I believe That's so. correct. Yeah, that sounds right. It's really, really good. It, the, I think the difference between this and I played, you know, I may not have played as much Isaac as like Ryan, clearly, but I've played a lot, uh, is that it's, it's way more, your success is way more dependent on your skill rather than the items you end up picking up. Granted, the guns can help a lot. But if you're not dodge rolling properly, if you're not just dodging in general properly, uh, it's a lot harder to win than if, say, in Isaac, you could be having a really tough run, and then you get an amazing item that just carries you for the rest of the game. Like, that's a pretty big difference between the two, which has kind of put a stopgap on me getting past, like, level three right now because I'm just not good enough. It's hard. It is a very difficult game, and a lot of people are, are saying that. But 
it is nice because that difficulty feels less artificial, I feel, than uh, something like Isaac. It's not really based so much on items. It is based on, you know, you can dodge pretty much everything. And if you get into a really tough situation, you have something called a blank, which is basically a smart bomb that wipes the screen of all bullets. So you've got that. And the dodge, I think the first half of the dodge, you have iframes. So you're, you are invincible. Mm -hmm. So you can roll through anything in theory as long as you are good enough to do that. And the the part of the uh, appeal to the difficulty, too, is the fact that the dungeons themselves are procedurally generated, but every individual room is handmade. So they're meticulously made in order to pr provide you with an ideal circumstance to be able to dodge and evade all the enemies that you're presented with. So it's not just, you know, randomization that's coming around to fuck you. It's an actual design that is, you know, inherently difficult, which is really impressive. Yeah. Also worth yeah. noting, incidentally, those of you that care about that sort of thing, and you should, uh, this game actually does run at 60 frames per second as opposed to Northern, uh, Northern Lion runs at 30. Whoa, hey now. Uh, so, just <laughs> saying. Uh, I'm still a programming novice, but that's kind of God still pushing down a little bit. <laughs> Nuclear Throne runs at 30, and apparently on PlayStation 4 runs below that. You know, it's a, oh, it's uncapped frame rate wow. for Gungeon, and that feels great because you are timing your dodges, so you really want those extra frames yeah. so i i had a problem when maybe we'll get into this later with hyperlight drifter being just clumsy slow treacly bollocks yeah is how i would describe that game because of its 30 <laughs> fps lock gungeon does not have that problem i was gonna I say like, oh, go like, no, hyperlight drifter i was gonna bring up just as a, as a game that i'm surprised was capped at 30 when i was playing it i was I'm weirded out by it. Uh, it's it's a game maker thing. Like you basically with game maker. Okay, yeah, that. so it's not that game maker can't do sixty. It absolutely can. It's yeah. just you've got to start the project with that frame rate in mind. Like you've um, got to you pick either like thirty or sixty basically through that engine. And if you go back later and want to change it, it takes a shitload of work. So mm. I think Nuclear Throne had the similar problem. Uh, was it Ronin, I think, was made in Game Maker. They actually oh, okay. managed to change that to 60, by the way, eventually. They actually put the work in. Uh, it looks like the Hyperlight devs have no intention of doing that, which is why I have no intention of playing their game anymore. Because uh, it just it doesn't feel good. Gungeon, back to that topic, though. Mmm. It's crunchy. It's tasty. You know, it, it feels, feels slick. Yeah. I think um, one thing that it does that really... I mean, I like Nuclear Throne and Isaac, so unlike you guys, I'm not going to make any enemies on the, the show today. But, I don't uh, care. <laughs> um, I, it's uh, Unlike Nuclear Throne, it kind of has a, a set endpoint where Nuclear Throne, once you got to a, a certain level of skill competency, you just loop a couple of times and then eventually you still die. Yeah. Even though it's a little conceptual, I like the idea that in Gungeon, you can actually like win a run like you can in Isaac or Spelunky and then start a new one instead of just like well i looped once and now i'm going to keep well, i think in, in nuclear throne that's sort of expected as the win condition though right it's well, not like... to a to a point at like at low and medium skill levels like beating the boss and then looping is kind of uh, an accomplishment but once you get into like really really high tier nuclear throne players it's You're just, just expected to keep it going right yeah loop yeah. like three or four times or something like that mm-hmm yeah, I, I, the, I like uh, ending a run too. I'm not, I'm not 100 convinced on this whole endless nonsense. So I like to put a, you know, a, a full stop at the end of my run. That's it's punctuation, you know, and then it's like start a new run. You reset right. everything. You go again. I, mean, uh, like, I think there's a there's a strength in that. An endless option is fine, but for for me, uh, having the opportunity to play a game basically infinitely and looping over and over and over again, there's gonna be a point where I just get bored. Yeah, I don't want to play anymore. 
I like, like you said, having that that end piece and just being like, I won. Like I played well, I won the game, it's over. I can start a new yeah. one if I want. I just don't want to keep going forever and ever. I just, I will get bored. I feel like separating it out like that and then having it be endless, it sort of puts less of a, a discreet, uh, like emphasis on the individual levels and enemies. It all starts to blend together after you've done it enough times. Uh, whereas if you have individual levels that you actually really care about and feel separate, it feels like it's actually really meaningfully separating the game into parts. And I like that. With Nuclear Throne too, I mean, it is worth mentioning that it doesn't really change the game so much when you loop. It is really just piling more and more enemies into a smaller space. Yeah. Which doesn't add that much to the game. It's more of just like an artificial extension. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like the XCOM 2 final mission, just overwhelming yeah. with that. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> they literally created a mission that no computer on Earth could run well. It was... Yeah. I, that was ridiculous. I, that's I, When I beat the game before I did my uh, kind of critique of it when it came out, that was... I did mention that. It's just like, look, the final mission is not only a stupid difficulty spike out of fucking nowhere, yeah. but it's so huge that it runs terribly regardless of what system you're playing it on. Which, thankfully, if you're a turn-based game, doesn't make a huge amount of difference, but you fucking feel it. There's no yeah, doubt yeah. about that. And if you're running on a lower-end machine, it might just, like, chug to single frames, in which case you are definitely feeling it. Somebody told me that for the XCOM 2 final mission, um, and I experienced this myself, but I kind of just thought it was an artifact of it not running well. If there's more than, like, ten enemies on the screen, only six of them on the enemy turn get to move. I heard that was on the difficulty we were playing on, and that the higher oh. difficulty, more enemies will take more actions. It's just yet another reason that I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I still think that mission could use a little tweaking. It could like, what's the point of there being 30 enemies on the screen if only six of them are moving anyway? Like, anyway, we've been over this. Yeah, a hundred times. Yeah, so I did, I did know some AI about that, that mission. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame because it kind of it does it definitely tanks uh, what was a great game up to that point. Although at least it is only one mission, uh, yeah. but it, you know, I, I love the rest of the game. I think it's it's spot on, but the performance is bollocks, uh, yeah. absolute bollocks for no real reason. Have any of you played Gungeon in co-op yet? Because it is local only, but well, I mean, if you have friends, that's helpful. Yes. But also more to the <laughs> or point, a wife, <laughs> yeah, or a wife that can tolerate it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's possible. So there's this NVIDIA game stream thing that's been around since last year that mm -hmm. I think it only works for certain games, but you are able to basically let somebody kind of dial into your computer, take a controller, and stream the game to them while playing as the second dude. Has anyone actually tried that? I've, I've been very curious to try it. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I have a feeling if anybody would, it would probably me and Ryan would give it a shot at some point if yeah. I can convince him to. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I played the local co-op. It's actually, it's really fun. I'm trying to remember the mechanics of it because every game does it a little differently. But I believe that uh, the second player plays as like the wizard character. Yeah. Which is only, yeah, they're only available in co-op. And they mm -hmm. start with a nerf gun, which is like not very good, but okay. it's at least decent. Um, and then if one of the characters dies, they have like a, a time recharging like miniature blank so it's like a blank but only in a small area of effect and um they come back after you kill the boss of a floor i think okay. so if you lose one they're not dead for like 15 minutes after you kill the boss they come back with i think with full hp actually so um, that's a neat little mechanic so, so you're telling me while they're dead they can actually defend the other dude with a with a small little uh, blank thing right 
Yeah, and you could maybe use it like once every 30 seconds or something like that. So it's not insignificant, especially considering you only get two blanks for the entire floor most of the time anyway. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's pretty good, actually. And I mean, compared to something like like uh, Rebirth or Afterbirth, I kind of I, I like it more because there's like an inventory management system that goes along. Like, oh, you take this gun and like give me that gun and then I'll like use that instead. And uh, I, I think that works pretty well. And you don't feel super weak. Like in, in Afterbirth co-op, you oftentimes feel really weak because the damage is just like you do 50% of what the other player does no matter what. So this is, I think, nice to balance it. Yeah. That does not seem like a good way of making co-op at all. It's like you, one player is deliberately shitty. Uh, well, yeah. they're not going to enjoy that. That's... <laughs> Apparently, it's also possible, according to someone in chat, that you can revive them by looting a chest. Mm, okay. Uh, so if you if you open a chest, then usually those chests do. I wonder, can you can you shoot the chest to to revive them? Because mm. I know you can open some chests by shooting them, but you get crappier you loot trash. apparently if you do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Mm, not sure. I give you actual trash in the they, no they yeah. do actually give yeah. you oh they really yeah. do that oh yeah like a bag of trash it's like, <laughs> yeah it's an option if you don't have a key or a lockpick that you can yeah, just yeah. shoot the chest it's just you'll probably get rubbish out of it if you do sometimes you get health though which is nice yeah. sometimes you may want to shoot the chest regardless uh maybe is that a spite as a precautionary measure oh okay uh, wow i haven't Those seen any mimics there. yet Spoilers. i'm hoping there is no mimics but there probably will be <laughs> <laughs> Getting eaten by a chest in an RPG is always the worst. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just awful. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that in mind. I don't know how much... Though, like, we, we all love Gungeon so far. Yeah, I don't know much how, how much you guys care about it, but I, I really like the uh, the art style as well. And I, I'm someone who's been sort of... Well, I don't know, like, Nick, you sort of started to educate me on this. This is a pixel yeah. art art style oh right? we're getting into that yeah. well we don't have to get all the way into it but sure. you know this is also sort of a style that devolver has just sort of been become known for over the years you know like the uh, the pixel art indie graphic style that has become sort of tied to their publishing title yeah but it's it's nice i like it it's you could just like any other art style there's good pixel art and bad pixel art now, I don't hate pixel art, but there are far too many games that say we are, have a retro aesthetic. They don't look anything like a retro game. Not at all. You know, no. Do you look like an NES game? No, you don't. Because what happened with them is they had limited technology and they worked within it to the best of their ability. You had almost infinite technology and you shit. So <laughs> the problem is you came up with something that looked just asininely bad. Mm -hmm. And you claimed it was a retro aesthetic, where in reality you just are a bad artist. So... As long as they stick with good art styles, which Gungeon does have, love the animation in that game, yeah. very much so. You know, I think it's yeah. the pilot character's sort of like quaffed hair sort of waves around as he <laughs> runs, which I, mm. I really love. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. It, it looks good. It looks very, very good, actually. It's thematically consistent and coherent, and it also just is very responsive, and it feels fast. And I think that's important yes. when you're, you're playing a game that's all about dexterity, which that one very much is. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Man, if only there was a game called Hyperlight Drifter, which was also about <laughs> dexterity, which actually learned that that was the way that you fucking went. Because that is a gorgeous game, just completely torpedoed in my eyes by its frame rate. I, I can't play it. I tried. I tried. Hyperlight Drifter is going to be a fun conversation, I can tell already. I think it is. Should we get into it? Are we, <laughs> sure. are we sort of uh, wrapped up on Gungeon? Yeah, I think we all like Gungeon. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely good. All right, let's get into Hyperlight. <laughs> okay, so who's played Hyperlight? 
Ah, oh, dang. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Silence, egg. We have things right. to do now. The men are talking. Okay, all right. So who, who's going to go to bat for Hyperlight Drifter then? Who's going to defend it? I'm like in between on it. So what about you, Bear? Do you like it? I do, but Nick, I'm mostly I'm curious. To most, <laughs> mostly positive. There are a few things that I'm a little middling on. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, the trickiest thing I think is to put even into words what exactly describes this game as far as genre conventions, because we're looking at sort of like a a mixture of like a Link to the Past plus Titan yeah. Souls kind of feel. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I didn't actually realize when I got into it that it was going to be more of a, like an open worldy kind of experience. I thought it was going to be very linear, action based. Um, but as I kind of got into it and opened up a little bit, I started to enjoy that format a bit more. The, the part where it falters a bit for me is, is one, the combat doesn't feel as fluid as it probably should. Can't Although imagine why that gets, would be. Yeah. It gets augmented a bit a little <laughs> later as you get better power-ups as far as I can tell. And I'm about five hours into it. I haven't finished it yet. Um, the other thing is there's a lot of repetition when you get lost and the map is not great. And there's going to be a lot of looking for things you missed on your first time through where you're going to have to go through a string of the same uh, groups of enemies, which can be a bit tedious and frustrating, I thought, and maybe even just boring. Uh, although it's good practice if you want to get better at the combat. The problem is there's so much of it that feels a bit arbitrary that it just gets frustrating going back, doing the same thing again to then get to another dead end you've already been to. Um, but I will say the graphical style to it is absolutely stunning. It's one of the most beautiful games I've played in a long time. The it's opening cutscene... Probably one of the nicest cutscenes opening I've ever seen. Yeah. Opening cutscene was like incredible. It that. set the bar really high after that too. Like that's the yeah. thing. I, I went into it with a tremendous expectation after I saw that, and I think maybe I was let down a little bit as a result of that alone, just because well, my expectations were through the roof at that point. I don't want to come across wrong here. I mean, I, I'm actually very positive on the game. There were just a few things that were faltering a little bit in my eyes, and honestly, the, mm. the frame rate didn't bother me as much as I think it does for TB. Uh, but obviously it would be better if it was 60. Yeah, I mean, we can all agree on that because it's science and anyone that disagrees is an idiot. <laughs> but the the issue with it is just, uh, it's a, it is a dexterity-based game yeah. that is focused highly on combat. That's going to be the genre which is going to suffer the most from a low frame rate. And yet they stuck with it anyway. Now, there's dumbasses on the Steam forums like, well, it's a isometric. Well, one, it's not isometric. Shut up. You know, it's like it's a it's a it's a two D pixel art. It, no, shut up. Super Mario Bros. with sixty FPS. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it really comes down to I need a game like that to feel responsive, fluid. I need to right. feel like I'm in control 100 percent of the time, and I don't because 30 FPS unsurprisingly doubles the fucking delay. You know the input lag versus 60. And I can feel it. I felt it immediately. As soon as I went in, I was like, oh, no. Now, I, I was just hoping it was one of those games like, say, Undertale, that I could just, like, get around it, you know, get and just... It, yeah. Yeah, I think, because uh, uh, I did in Undertale, you know? Mm. It's not like I don't play games that run a 30, I do. It's just I sometimes have to struggle with them. Undertale was fine, thankfully, uh, but this game is absolutely not at 30 to the point where i have absolutely no intention of playing any more of it i i tried i fucking persevered for two hours and i hated every single minute of it and it was all down to that and mm. i don't I just i can't ignore it you know i think once you've got to the point where you have become very sensitive to that it's impossible to turn back time on that one i almost wish right. i could because then i could play more games but i can't so fuck it you know I it shouldn't have been a, made that way. A really good example of a, a moment in the game that really kind of puts that 
in stark focus is the fact that you can get this power up that lets you chain your dash ability. And in that very room, they ask you to then do a chain combo of a hundred to do uh, to basically just get a bonus. After you get that hundred, then they ask you to get I think it's eight hundred in a row without dropping the combo. And the timing window is extremely small, and you've got to keep it up for like five minutes straight. And you know, yeah. if it was sixty, obviously a little bit more of responsiveness there totally. I might open up that timing window and make that a lot more viable. Uh, but it was frustrating enough when I was streaming. I was like, you know, well, maybe I'll do this on my own time, not now. The only thing that makes me think of is dodging a hundred consecutive lightning strikes in Final Fantasy X. That's oh, all that one, yeah. those <laughs> ultimate weapon parts. You remember? <laughs> no, That's what I was thinking too, actually. Yeah. Um, playing uh, playing Hyperlight Drifter though, I got really strong Titan Souls vibes from it. I got uh, some yo. I, I mentioned this on our previous show actually. I got some Jotun vibes. Jotun. Mm. I don't know if you played that one. I uh, did. Yeah, beautiful game though, actually. Mm -hmm. And I like I got a very similar thematic feel from Hyperlight Drifter than I did with those two games, just because it well all, like. Almost literally, there's like a parallel between the actual physical movement you make in Hyperlight Drifter to Yotun, because when Yotun opens up, you are introduced to this vast, sprawling, beautiful world. And Hyperlight Drifter does almost literally the same thing, like to the degree to where it moves you out onto a platform that overlooks the entire valley. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. This is great. Not to like, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking Hyperlight Drifter for stealing or anything like that. It's just it's interesting that there's the parallel there. Uh, but yeah, Titan totally. Souls gameplay-wise, I think there's a much more apt comparison to be made. I think Titan Souls, it didn't nearly have to rely on as much uh, technical prowess in the player as Hyper Light Drifter does. And again, unfortunately, there's the technical aspects that sort of befuddle that. But Titan Souls had the luxury of you only having to hit the enemy once, and that was like the entire shtick. So Titan Souls didn't have to have the tightest controls. It didn't have to have the the best handles. But... Hyperlight Drifter sort of does, and that is a yeah. little bit of where it falls short. It tries for like a, almost a Devil May Cry style approach to the melee versus gunplay type thing, and you know that's where it falters a bit. Yeah, right. if you if you play DMC at 30 FPS, it's very very noticeable that it's running like that, you know, which is why even I know a lot of people didn't like the latest one, but it ran at like 300 frames per second for me, mm. and it felt smooth as fucking butter, mm -hmm. and it was really really good <laughs> like that. It's it's just an it's an aspect of games that I, I feel annoyed when people ignore it. As long as they acknowledge it, but they say, you know what, I can tolerate that anyway, I got no problem with it. That's cool. You know, whatever. It's, if you can tolerate it, that's great. But it's when people say it doesn't matter, then I want to push them down a well. Because <laughs> video games are not movies. Don't pull the 24 f f you know, fucking frames per second argument on me for fucking movies. They're not movies, they're not books, they're not television shows, they're played. That means that a key aspect of it is the interface between you and the program. The interface between you and the program is being interfered with by a low frame rate. That's science, you can't fucking argue with that. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it does objectively worse, always, all the time, without exception. So, if you make a game that runs at 30, I'm probably going to fucking hate it. And I, it disappoints me more because I backed this game on Kickstarter and I was excited for it. And I just thought, you know, you've had three years to develop this. How were you so stupid as to start in 30? How did you think that was an okay thing? Yeah, that's weird. I don't Especially know. with how heavy of a focus there is on the, you know, the technical... On the combat, yeah. yeah. On, on technical, timing-based, dexterity, frame-accurate yeah. combat. You know, it's like starting to make a fighting game at 30. You would never do that. <laughs> because that would be idiotic. Because right. you know well, it's it, very important. 
Another part of it that I'm not 100% sure I was behind was how, I mean, it, it is cryptic for the sake of being cryptic to a degree, I feel. Okay. I, I, I appreciate yeah. the atmospheric feel, and uh, it's it's silent almost entirely. Uh, there's no voice acting or anything like that. There's hardly any text. In fact, I'm not sure I've seen there's, any. There's like 10 text prompts or so at given points. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it really just, it's it's sort of confusing. Most, no, I agree. Actually, it really the lie is is almost obscured in how obtuse it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did figure out the language after like a couple hours, but for a while, I was like, I picked up a Gemini symbol. What is yeah, this? That's, yeah. that's okay. the currency. But you got to get four Gemini symbols to then actually get a Gemini symbol. Uh, oh God! Spend three of those sets of four at a. Yeah, it's a little silly. Yeah, it's weird because I was—that was going to be one of the things I both like and kind of hate about the game so far. Is I like the idea of them kind of not just like being obtuse for the sake of gameplay, but like the world as well being really vague. And you, I get a little bit of a Dark Souls vibe with that because they yeah. tell the story through the world. But the difference is, at least with Dark Souls, you can talk to the NPCs and they can give you like vocal like cues as to what's kind of maybe going on in the world where they have it, a lot more tools to actually interact yeah like they're know. being vague but at least in dark souls like the like i said the npcs are kind of telling you like verbally what's going on at least to a degree where in this it's like you talk to an npc and there's like pictures that flash and you're like well all right you gave me three pictures you were being chased you were beaten up you were left i don't know what's going on and it kind of makes it even more difficult to distinguish what exactly has happened in this world did you find the dude in the back alley smoking a crack pipe? Because that I thought was <laughs> no, God, Nick. <laughs> Nick, that wasn't hyperlight drifting. <laughs> We've been meaning to talk to that's, you. About that, that's drifting. that's New York, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's in there. I'm, I'm like I'm I'm lukewarm on the game so far. I, I'm gonna keep playing it a little bit more just to see if like if I in, enjoy it, the more I can push through it. But uh, as of right now, I'm not really like super negative or super positive on it. Hmm. I'm feeling I'm yeah I'm feeling about there I, I I think I like it you know I I wanted it to be better but I think I had pretty damn high expectations I've had really high expectations of this game probably since I played it at PAX East 2014 mm -hmm. so you know it's yeah. it's been a long time coming and I think I maybe set myself I set the bar a little too high I'm quite enthusiastic about finishing it actually I intend to as soon as possible uh, despite the gripes I brought up I still mostly like it Cool. There's one last thing on that I'd like to discuss before we move on, and his name shall not be mentioned on this show, because fuck promoting that guy. But uh, somebody in games media, oh god, uh, decided to write an article about Hyperlight Drifter that said, uh, because it was difficult, the game was exclusionary. Uh, yeah. So, apparently, because he literally claimed the game does not want me to play it anymore, and that it was excluding people because it was hard. Does he feel the same? Whoever this is, feel the same way about like Dark Souls and stuff? Uh, evidently not, because I'm pretty sure he jerked himself off silly over that game. But uh, it, <laughs> be recovering for a while. Yeah, yeah. apparently uh, he's, he's in that period and he just doesn't want it anymore. But I think the question that I I would pose to you guys is on the subject of game difficulty level: is difficulty exclusionary, or you know, is difficulty necessary? For games as an art form, you know, what what do you, should should every game have an easy mode or something along those lines? You know, what what do you all reckon on the subject of difficulty? I definitely wouldn't use the word exclusionary. I feel like that's uh, certainly not the best choice in order to describe it. The well, I was just reading this Blunky book actually, and uh, Derek, you had a section in this book where he was talking about the game's difficulty, 
And he, he said that he's not really a big fan of difficulty modes in games. He mm-hmm. feels mm-hmm. like those, and this, this is a, probably an opinion I pretty much echo. Uh, he feels that they sort of, like, for the most part, difficulty modes tend to really just add more enemies, make damage, or it makes enemies damage you more. It gives you less health, those, those sorts of things that really just aren't, aren't exactly uh, the most impressive as far as means by which to change the way the game is played. It's really just adding quantity or just making things harder by way of the most literal definition of it. And I, I, I sort of don't like thinking that difficulty is something that's going to be turning people off to games. I think for as many people that say Hyperlight Drifter was far too difficult for them, I think there's probably 10 people that said Hyperlight Drifter's difficulty is what makes it appealing to me. I think difficulty, like, I don't think any, I, I agree with you, Barry. like, I don't think difficulty modes are necessary, especially when they're just so arbitrary in what yeah. they do. I mm-hmm. think difficulty can be used in the way it should be used is uh, to enhance either the message or the theme of the game, right? Like, dar- uh, Darkest Dungeon, for instance, is punishingly hard, but it fits so perfectly in the story it's trying to tell and the world that it's trying to build that if you make get an easy mode, you ruin that. You ruin the game in doing so. There are definitely Dark some Souls games that that applies to, yeah. Like, use, if you use difficulty to enhance the medium and enhance the art that you're trying to present to the player, then it's perfect. Like, the game is hard because the world is punishing and mean and in a terrible, depressive place. It makes sense. Like, that is perfect. If it's... If you're adding an easy mode to Dark Souls, like you're just you destroy the game in that regard. Right? Yeah, and that's like I, I I think about the difficulty modes argument. And I just I consider the one possibility. What if they had difficulty modes in Dark Souls? Like that wouldn't make sense at all, right? That totally sure. defeats yeah. the purpose of Dark Souls to a certain. I extent. mean, there's a number of problems really with putting difficulty modes into Dark Souls, just in the nature of how it works. You know, some of the difficulty comes from the fact that you can be invaded by black fandoms. Do you turn that off in a difficulty mode? Wait a minute, doesn't the game already have a difficulty mode because you can go offline? Doesn't that make the game easier? So it kind of already has something that can be controlled by the player. I'm kind of going to stand on the other side of it and say that I don't think that every game should, like, necessarily... I don't think it should be a requirement of the developer to put a difficulty mode in. I think it's nice to have that option, and I'll probably praise them when they give it to you. Um, but what I will say is that I'm always going to side with the consumer in the sense that if the consumer wishes to experience a lesser version of that game, then I think they should probably have the right to do that. If that means ruining Dark Souls for themselves, so be it. Although there are ways you can already ruin Dark Souls for yourselves. Like, turn it offline, take the easiest path, read the walkthroughs, you know? Those are all ways in which you can make the game easier for yourself, or you can avoid all of that and play it as it was intended. I think that, you know, the artistic in the t- intention of the creator, the authorial intent, is certainly very important. And I think that games should be judged probably by that standard. You know, if you're ever going to review a game, turning the game to easy and then bitching that it's too easy is probably yeah. a very stupid thing to do. You should play it in the way that it was intended to be played. But as the consumer, I think you have the right to screw with that. You know, because if we support that, we support things like modding, of course. You know, the ability to mod a game, to change things. I think if you buy a product, as long as you're not affecting anybody else in the process, so fuck that with multiplayer games, get good, scrub. If outside of that, I think that, you know, you, you should be able to affect that however you want. And if you've made the experience lesser for yourself, that's your own fucking fault. You know, you, as long as you accept that that's okay. You know, that's, why, that's why I'm in favor of cheats, you know. I, think, I, I just think cheats should still be in games. 
You know? Yeah. Just, you don't have to have a difficulty mode. Just keep cheats in the games. Problem solved. You want to give yourself more life? Yeah. Huh? Where are my there, Sims players at? Yeah, Come on. Yeah. Some people know that. There can only be one, I think, was why Warcraft 2, right? For Coco yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, cutie. every little thing she does. Yep. I guess it. I, I take pretty much almost exactly the same opinion as you guys, but to avoid just completely echoing it, I guess I agree that it is exclusionary. I just the implication in using the word exclusionary is is like a little heavy. Like, I think it's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Like it almost by definition excludes people who are either not good enough or not willing to invest the time to get good enough. That's literally I, every video game. <laughs> right. And I also kind of feel like if you're not willing to put in the time to get good enough, that's not, uh, th that is a criticism of the game, I guess is what I'm getting at. Because Enter the Gungeon is hard, really hard. And, you know, we've all probably had terrible runs that were too hard for us to even get past the first boss. But the game is good enough that you're motivated to get better. Like if a game is so hard that you're not even motivated to to kind of overcome it. Maybe that's that's more of a criticism of the game on a mechanics level or a, a different level like tone or atmosphere even than it is the game's difficulty itself. Yeah, and you know, like an interesting contrast to my original statement, uh, in my own experience with Dark Souls, so I played through the first one with a couple of guides, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a, a couple of my buddies that were on with me, you know, kind of helping me to figure out what I was supposed to do in a lot of different places. And I didn't have that in Dark Souls 2, which I beat Dark Souls 1. When I played Dark Souls 2 solo, I sort of was turned off to it because I was like, this is, I mean, I, I'm having a little fun, but this is just kicking my ass over and over. And I'm I have a similar in. issue. Yeah. Huh? And you know what? That's okay. I, I don't expect every game to cater to me. That's, mm -hmm. that's the reality of it. And I also view games uh, less, they're not, games are not movies. Games in my eyes are sports. You know, they're, they're competitions and you're competing either against another player or against the actual game environment that was provided to you. If you're not willing to compete, maybe you're, you're not in the right entertainment medium. You know, that's... It's like, well, I don't... It's like saying, well, I don't listen to music because I'm deaf. I was like, well, I, I mean, I understand that. Cool. But, I mean, sh music should not necessarily change because you are deaf. Uh, it's the same with games. They should If I have no hands, no feet, and no eyes, which unfortunately some people do then the chances are games are not going to work all that well for me. It kind of sucks, but ultimately, the amount of compromises you would have to make to fix that are just too much to the point where they right. affect the main demographic of the game, the, you know, the actual player base. And forgive me for being so controversial, but perhaps developers should be catering to the people that are willing to give them money instead of the people that aren't. <laughs> Sounds like well, a plan. We, we should consider the dev side of it too, I suppose, right? The fact that if we are discussing difficulty as a potentially exclusionary uh, aspect of the game, I wonder how often that comes to the table as far as whether or not, say, like Hyperlight Drifter, I wonder how often they considered the possibility that maybe the game is too hard to sell to enough people. They, they probably brought that up as a consideration. I think they... Thankfully, as a as a Kickstarter back game, they didn't have to worry so much about that. Right. Yeah. That's that's actually one of the primary advantages of crowdfunding is that these niche things can get funded, and they don't have to rely on selling a million copies. They just have to gain enough funding to make the game. You know, hopefully they get a bit extra scratch on the top of that. That's great. But if they don't, they've they've afforded they've been able to work for two years and get paid for it. You know, and that yeah. is what crowdfunding allowed them to do. And they can make something super niche, and that is actually totally fine. 
I don't think the Hyperlight Drifter is super niche. And since it's shifted, let's see how many fucking copies so far, according to Steam Spy, yeah, a I'm lot. Uh, according to Steam Spy, uh, 70,000 so far. Uh, yeah. It's currently the top trending game on Steam Spy. It's been top of the list for uh, probably a week on Steam's uh, sales charts. It's doing totally fine. And if you do find it too difficult within the first couple of hours, you can refund it, you know, if you so desire. But I agree with uh, Ryan in the sense that using the term exclusionary implies a malice on the part of the developer, in my eyes. And there is no malice. They just, they made the game they wanted to make, which is the same as like the Firewatch guys. They made the game that they wanted to make. I'm not going to claim Firewatch is exclusionary because I'm the sort of person that gets bored of walking for three fucking hours. I might criticize the game for that, but that's... That doesn't mean that the game is excluding me. Yeah. No. It's not excluding me. It's just it, it I'm just not its audience and that's okay. I played Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and I didn't find a single gun. Why aren't they making <laughs> sure, sure. Are you sure you played Everyone's Gone to the Rapture? Because uh, I mean right, I don't yeah, I don't know if you play Everyone's Gone. I think Gone I might have just watched it happen mostly, right? Yeah. You you I held like- W and you got a fucking cramp in your <laughs> finger. That's that, that was DRS for me in a nutshell. I'd like to, to pose a quick question. What do you all think about the difficulty of Super Meat Boy, which is, I think most people would agree, a fairly ubiquitous game, even though a very difficult game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was designed with a very specific curve in mind that there's like a, a proper path, which is the definitive way to play through it, the, the mm-hmm. light side game. Yeah. And then there's the dark world, all the optional warp zones, all the stuff that branches off from there. And then if you take it to an even further extreme, uh, the speedrunning community, which have taken beating the game and made it a freaking art. Yeah. I speedrun Super Meat Boy myself, so I, I really love that game, and I've put a lot of hours into it. Um, but I don't feel that it's unfairly difficult, despite it being extremely difficult. What do you all think about that? I suck at platformers, and I did not find that game unfairly difficult. I will say that. And <laughs> I actually, point. despite frustration, enjoyed my time with that game, despite it being a genre I don't like. That, in my opinion, should speak volumes as to how well yeah. they pulled that off. I think... I... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, just in general, like, I feel like if a game is hard, but I mean, I said like almost exactly this earlier, but if a game is hard, but you want to play more of it, then it's not too hard. Like, no. the, the, yeah. the Kiss of Death is actually for a game to be too easy. And we were kind of talking about this uh, a little bit in the in the Gungeon stuff, or maybe it was even pre-show, but uh, a lot of roguelites have the problem where the first floor, like you said, TB, is way too boring. It's slow because you start yeah. with a really crappy weapon. Gungeon has the same issue. You know, you yeah. start with a really crappy weapon. There's only two games, I think, that didn't do that, Ziggurat and Risk of Rain. You know, everyone and- else seems to fuck it up. I played like I play a lot of those games and so much of the time I'm just like this is like decent from a mechanic standpoint but it's just it's too easy that I don't feel like I want to play more of it which is not like a hardcore gamer sentiment it's just like if there's no risk of me dying then I have to put in 45 minutes to even get to the point where things start to get interesting on a run and I feel like being too easy is way more damning because there's not much you can do about it. But if a game is hard, but you want to play more of it, then it's actually, I guess, properly balanced. It's hard to say without being on a case-by-case basis, but like when something is too hard, I tend to take that more as an implication that it's just not very fun, even more so than it being right. frustrating. The friction comes from the game feel then, which is enough that it puts you off to just want to even attempt it again. If the game feels smooth, and you feel you like the feel of it from moment to moment, that's going to help you pass those moments where you hate it. Yeah. Right. I was, I was going to say, like, S- Super Meat Boy, considering that game, I, I have to think first about the fact that it's so mechanically sound. The controls are so tight yeah. in Super mm. Meat Boy that it, it, like, the difficulty 
conversation I think has to change to a certain extent when you uh, consider that. Yeah. Uh, we're having, again, like I'll bring this up again with Hyperlight Drifter, but the fact that uh, the technical limits imposed on the game will sort of hamper your ability to play it as well as you'd like will probably make you have different considerations about the difficulty level, right? Because you, you, on top of feeling the game is maybe a little bit too tough for you, you're also having these hindrances with your physical experience with the game that could probably add quite it's a bit a more. To excellent that. point. It really is because mm -hmm. you, you are being artificially limited in terms of mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the interface is the way that you communicate with the software. And if you have a certain level of skill, but the software prevents you from properly expressing that skill due to technical limitations, that creates that dissonance, that creates that unpleasant right. uh, feeling. And I get that a lot. Probably because I'm used to 144 hertz G-Sync, you know? Yeah. I think if I wasn't <laughs> using that all the time, I'd probably be a lot more tolerant of that. But ultimately, it's 2016 says John Oliver, and we shouldn't be dealing with this stuff right now. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to deal with it on the Super Nintendo when I played Super Mario Brothers at 60 frames per second. Why the fuck should I deal with it in 2016 on PC? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think those, those are definitely good points on difficulty. And I think ultimately, yes, there is a slight point in saying it's exclusionary, but the point is that's not a bad thing in the sense that to me, romance novels are exclusionary because um, I don't like men on a romantic level and I don't really like the romance genre. So that romance is exclusionary to me. That is entirely 100% fine, you know, because I can find yeah. something else. And that's the case with gaming as well. You know, when, when we talk about the 50-50 the gender statistics, for instance, <laughs> and people love to point out, well, that doesn't apply to core. I was like, well, you're right, but that doesn't mean there aren't choices for people that aren't core. You know, and the chances are that, at right now anyway, that you know, a lot of female gamers are not core, so they play the more casual games that are marketed towards them. And if they don't want to play something that kicks the living shit out of you, although I have to say, Candy Crush kicks the living shit out of you. <laughs> that is a hard game once you get up to, you get a, like, a few hundred levels ahead of that, that is a really challenging game. Throw some um, money at it. It was a difficulty. There yeah, you exactly. go. Yeah, that's that's the problem with it, isn't it? You know, we, <laughs> we had a. There's a difficulty level in that game. It costs money to open, though. No, honestly, I can echo this. Like, I actually, out of curiosity, because on our previous show we were discussing a lot of the mobile game stuff, mm -hmm. and so I was curious. I downloaded Clash of Clans on my phone, so I yeah. played it for like the last few days. Like, there's some, there's actually some strategic value there in is. that game, and it's oh, yeah. kind of tough in the later uh, fights. But again, as you mentioned, it's it's all just well. If you pay five bucks, you don't have to deal with any of that. You yeah. can just win. Clash Roy <laughs> uh, Clash Royale, I think the game from them uh, works a lot better because if you pay money, you are literally only fucking yourself. You you pay money, you mm. get more cards, you get higher level cards, which means that you rise in rank, and then you run into mm. the people that are also that rank, but they mm. got there the honest way, and they're gonna fucking murder you because they're mm. way way better. <laughs> They've had more practice. It's a really interesting system where it's less of pay to win, it's pay to lose, which. It's cool. I mean, but I'm okay with that because my time is more valuable than my money to me. So I'm willing to skip forward to that level, uh, mostly because right. it pisses off Strippin because I'm higher rank than him. So <laughs> that's entirely fine by me. Uh, that's but why I have two phones. And, you know, when I'm feeling really burned out on losing, I get my Smurf phone out and play You scumbag. <laughs> Holy fuck. That is the scummiest thing I've heard in a while. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, that's like that's an extra level of scum. You call it scum two redemption. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the um, scumming. Yeah. The, indeed, the scumming. Add reckoning to the end of everything. 
Yeah. They really, they really muddy the waters as far as difficulty balancing goes. So we were talking about having a definitive version of the game and then maybe like an augmented easy version or something like this. And at this point, if you're dealing with the, the preferential developer designed experience, and then you go to, I can pay to modify that as I see fit, that really makes yeah. that a very confusing uh, way to describe the game. Uh, yes, I, I think so, because then you have issues with reviews and critiques, and people grab one version, they don't know yes. what version they got, and then they're disappointed by it. That's probably why most people aren't really willing to go that far. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think in most cases, I'm. It, it, this issue came out years ago, and it unfortunately was met with a lot of hostility from uh, core gamers. This idea of a narrative mode, which is focused on kind of either removing or making the combat silly easy in order to just kind of get the story. I think we have that now. It's called right. Let's Play. You know, if you, yeah. you, could, you could go and watch that on YouTube if you like. Don't but... give the secrets of our business away right now, man. <laughs> That's how, how we make our money. I'm, I'm actually, like, pretty pro. Well, I mean, like, I really liked Firewatch. And I played Adrift this week, and I thought it was, like, decent but how do you want to play on vr i gotta admit that's that's mm. what i was saying in my videos like, yeah. oh, it, it, vr this probably feels a lot better mm -hmm. but how sweet would it be if if quote-unquote walking simulators had like a quote-unquote core gamer mode that just added like enemies and and a pistol or, and then or, or puzzles or something yeah <laughs> and you're like yeah. well we made this to be experienced for the story but if you're one of those people you're one of those guys that's, <laughs> you're one of those misogynists <laughs> then you gotta get one of these you know you're talking about like in firewatch you 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 find the two girls just camping and you see them out in the lake and then all of a sudden the fucking like water hydra demon shit yeah that's yep. just yep. crazy and then the the boss name shows up in japanese with an english translation <laughs> <laughs> You get a sword and you kill it, and then you learn a little bit about what it means to be an adult male in the 1980s. Sure, yeah. yeah. What are you keeping yeah. on us? Like, no, I'm killing the. the I'm killing the Hydra demon. Fuck. Shouldn't it be obvious to you? You know, I have a Buster Sword. What the fuck do you think I was doing? <laughs> the narrative that your character's constantly just high on some drug, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he sees the Hydra demon. You know, when it's really just you know two girls misbehaving. It's his inner demons. It's his inner demons. Yeah. Demon. There you go. We got a story going right we now. We found meaning in art in violence. <laughs> Turning into Metal Gear. <laughs> You know what's, what's really interesting about the point you just made? I think it's really, really hard to add a core gamer mode to a kind of walking simulator than it is to add a walking simulator mode to a core game. You know, stripping yeah, out the definitely. combat from a game and just having the walking and the, the cutscenes is actually not that difficult. And especially if you just completely cut experience out of the equation. Like, why would you need XP if there's no combat, right? So you can just right. kill the leveling system entirely, kill the gear system entirely. So you could take away, but adding... It's really fucking hard, because literally, uh, you know, as you mentioned, if you did add a Hydra Demon and a pistol to Firewatch, you're probably fucking ruined Firewatch. Yeah. There's, <laughs> well, I don't think there's a way to really integrate ruined it. Right? Yeah. Ruined it. <laughs> it's what we call it. We call it shitlord mode. It's actually fantastic, you know. <laughs> I was going to make a though. joke earlier. How often do you think the uh, the visual novel crew is uh, getting together to discuss difficulty levels in visual novels? They, they, that, that shit just gets out of hand, I think. Interesting, yeah. I mean, because obviously you've got visual novel is a weird genre because there are visual novels where there is literally no level of challenge at all. 
Mm-hmm. And then there are visual novels like Danganronpa. That's why I'm playing that right mm-hmm. now. Actually, is which is actually quite popular. And yep. yes, you can lose. You can fuck yep. up. And that's yep. part of what makes it good. It's why I liked Ace Attorney. I would not have played Ace Attorney if it were not possible to lose in the fucking trial sequences. Mm. I wouldn't have played it because, you know, to me, that is what makes the game really good. And it provides that challenge. And the storytelling up to that point is what taught you enough to be able to do those sequences because you had to pay attention. If you took that out, I would not play the game. But I know there are plenty of visual novels that do take that out and people do still play them, play, I guess, read them regardless. Mm. Most visual novels without really like a gameplay mechanic, what they kind of skirt around is give you the illusion of choice. Mm, yes yeah pretending you're choosing something oh. really you're just i uh, just taking a, a road that's going to lead yeah. that same you'd point. say the same about firewatch though couldn't you <laughs> yeah, in many ways yeah. in many yeah, ways it's, it's the same thing right like it's, it's, it's basically the, it's similar at least with the danganronpa when i'm playing right now like it's very ace attorney in that it's the class trials that you can lose you can f those up you can misread something or or like forget a clue or whatever and you accuse somebody incorrectly and there's like a health bar that you only have so many false accusals that you can get through before the game yes. ends. I like. I like it a lot. It's it's a lot more. Uh, I can invest myself a lot more in that kind of thing than yeah. I can with just. Uh, I think you theory. you can make a pretty solid argument that uh, getting the bad ending in a visual novel is you know is the equivalent of losing. Losing. And yeah. I think I think you know that's that's where you get your 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 sort of um, implied failure state from. You know, it's less of a game over and more of a you've got a suboptimal outcome because you weren't paying attention. But even then, there are visual novels that literally have no choices at all or yeah. have illusions of choices, as you mentioned. And they're all whacked into the same genre. And I think that might actually be a problem. I think that there needs to be a distinction between those ones that really have no level of challenge to them at all and those that do. I think they're not the same genre. So we gotta we gotta create the core visual novel genre then. We do. We just gotta come up with a sassy name for it. Yeah, that's the most mm. important part. You Tricky. guys handle the core stuff, and I'll do the visual novel stuff. And right. we'll meet back yeah. in <laughs> six weeks. And well, <laughs> well, we, may, we may even have to have like the the core visual novels, the no challenge visual novels, and then like the hotful boyfriend visual novels. We gotta have like oh the zany stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. like the tank one that's out right now. People, yeah. oh god, uh, the tank the dating end. sim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, Dodger played all of that because she is that just the world's me. biggest shitlord. So she. <laughs> She plays that through. I'm ready for the next one. We could do like tree dating sim. Why not? Each girl represents a different tree. Why not? You gotta punch it to get resources out of it. Obviously. We're merging too many genres here, Bear. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're merging domestic abuse with visual novel, which to me is just like maybe not okay. (laughs) I thought we were doing a Mosa Mosa VN. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear God. All right, it is about time that we take a break and plug our sponsor because I love me some money and I, I don't like like breaching contracts. So we're going to do that, squarespace.com slash cooptional. I did record you a brand new ad, which is probably even weird in the last one. I think we're getting to the point where they will fire us. But one way or the other, we're going to be back probably about 10 minutes or so after the ad and some music. We're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to dive in on VR, I think, uh, since I've got... Got some headsets over here. I'll tell you a little bit about my experience so far with the consumer version of the HTC Vive and talk a little bit about the other stuff. And we've got loads more games to cover. So you are watching the Coeggional Scumcast brought to you by the full cast of the Roundtable and me as the awkward fifth wheel. I will be right back as well. These <laughs> folks don't go anywhere. Here is an ad, a word, or perhaps many words from our sponsor. 
Ah, another week, another co-optional podcast. Clearly the best gaming podcast on YouTube. Huh, you seem to have received a telegram. This is a normal daily occurrence. I wonder what it says. Dear Total Biscuit, stop. How rude! Oh, there's an email too, and it seems to be from Squarespace's marketing department. Uh-huh, here we go. Dear Total Biscuit, while we have been happy with our partnership in the past and the next sack of gold is being shipped as we speak, we feel that we need to raise some concerns regarding the tone of your recent ads. Despite your obvious genius and unbound creativity, yes, yes, we feel the ads may have become too meta. Several ads appear to be about ads, and further still, ads about making ads about making ads. We feel that should this continue, we will have to shift our ad budget to the Roundtable podcast instead. For while Northern Lion is obviously scum, his status as an egg means we won't have to withhold taxes or give him basic human rights. Fair point. For future ads, please read the following transcript that we have provided, which meets all of our requirements. Okay. Hello, viewers. Let me tell you about Squarespace. Literally every one of you wants to build a website, and you are all absolutely terrible at it. This is okay. Some of us were born to be kings, others to be serfs. However, your incompetence is how we make our money. Introducing Squarespace, a service which allows you to design a website for whatever petty and insignificant dream you foolishly hold, with absolutely no experience required. Using our powerful interface, which is so simple even someone like you could use it, we can create a beautiful website in just minutes, in spite of your complete lack of talent and intelligence. Want to create a site for your new business, which will invariably fail, because let's be honest, that's what you were destined for by divine proclamation? Create it with Squarespace and easily integrate e-commerce functionality to sell your products. You won't, but Squarespace's powerful and detailed analytics will tell you just how many people didn't give you their money. Speaking of money, give us money. We'll even give you 10% off your first order at squarespace.com cooptional That's like giving you some money, but then asking you for more money back. Savings! Mention squarespace.com cooptional at least three times. squarespace.com cooptional Do not read this bit. This is a direction from our marketing department because you are obviously useless at writing ad scripts. Okay, you can read the next few lines now. Just make sure this isn't in the script. You didn't put it in the script, did you? Please tell me you didn't. You're not that stupid. Squarespace.com slash co-optional. Create galleries of your ugly pets. The galleries will be beautiful. Your pet will forever scare small children and remind grandpa of the horrors of war. Want to invite all of your friends to your wedding or other special event? They won't come, but you can make sure they feel really bad about it for years with a passive-aggressive website on Squarespace. All of this and much, much more. Squarespace.com slash co-optional. If you had web design skills, you'd be using something else. Lastly, please do not insult Squarespace in your ad script. We are quite sensitive to that sort of thing. And the next time we meet for a conference, we may punch you in the mouth. Yours sincerely, Squarespace, you should. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. You just heard the sounds of the other side DJ mix from Super Mario Brothers. That's on OC Remix from the Super Cartographer brothers collection which is available over on ocremix.org pretty nice track do love it very much well back to the show uh we still have everybody here they haven't run off yet that's a success i want to play super cartographers that sounds like a great game that sounds Damn right 
I'll be all over that. Absolutely. That's a video guesser. Very difficult platformer. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed. <laughs> it's very exclusionary. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Careful now. Careful. All right. Speaking of exclusionary, uh, things that almost nobody has yet, like the HTC Vive. That's exclusionary. Give me one. That's, uh, that's nope. my shout out to HTC. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Don't do it here, man. <laughs> they said this is the best place you can do it. I oh, mean, yeah, everyone, I no, nobody watches this channel. You know, you might as well do it here. <laughs> yeah, right. I got to take it. It burns. Oh, people it, watch, man. Come on now. I play Honeycam Studios. We'll There's some people. Yeah, about. I heard about that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that actually a lot of people don't like Honeycam Studios because, you know, Honeypop was quite a, a fun game in terms of the match three gameplay and everything. Honeycam is like literally just a stupid clicker. That's yeah, what do, you, do you want to get into this now or do, do the HTC? Do it. Should we do Honeycam? Uh, let's do Honeycam Studios before HTC Vive. <laughs> oh, you know, no. I like doing this because uh, Twitch has banned the game, so I like skirting yeah. that by talking oh, about they? it. Yeah, uh, they yeah they because like Twitch are idiots. Like, yeah. That it's so, it's it's really dumb. I mean, they, they've banned some stupid stuff, like banning the Honeypop Steam yeah. version was stupid. Like, there's literally no nudity in that at all. There's no reason to. Uh, but all right, you, Mathis, you played Honeycamp Studios. Hit me with it. Come so, on. So, like, okay. So, for those who don't know, Honeycamp Studios is the sequel to Honeypop, which was a pornographic, really good match three game. There was strategy involved. There was items that could help out. Match it wasn't pornographic on Steam though. You had to actually download the patch yeah, to, to actually was, get to get the, to get mm, the titties. Yeah, I the guess. Steam version was not. Um, Honeycam no. Studio is there's no nudity at all in the game, mm. and it's disappointing in that it's billed as a management game when it is it is basically cookie clicker. Is really clicker. All, <sighs> all it is is clicking things and spending the money you get from your girls doing cam stuff to make what you're clicking on more efficient basically okay so there's even things that you can buy that like um every so often it'll automatically pull resources from the buildings so you don't have to click on them to pull the resources from the buildings um and it's if you've played cookie clicker you've essentially played honey cam studios it is a cam girl version of that you send your girls into buildings uh, one will be where she does her cam show. After a certain amount of time, she generates money. Then you click on the building to get the money uh, a bunch of times. You send her into the photo shoot. It gains her fans. When she's done with the photo shoot, you click on the building to gain fans for her. Then you send her off. Or if you need money really quick, you can send her to the sleazy motel. She'll make the same amount of money she does in the cam studio by sleeping with somebody. And you get the money that way. But since it's quicker, she could catch an STD. Uh, like that's, oh. It's just, oh yeah, that's got now like it's dark, got... darkest dungeon balancing system. No, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> if she gets like... rabies, does she get fifty percent extra damage? <laughs> like... <laughs> but it's, it's really just sending all your girls. Okay, we can have up to eight active at any time and eighteen total. Sending them to different buildings to get different resources, of which then you spend those resources to make getting resources easier. And you just do that. Yeah. For a bunch until right. it becomes have, really have you just, played adventure capitalist ever because it sounds like a reskin of that almost no i have very not. similar the, the, yeah because that's a clicker uh, you go, yeah. oh, these these mm -hmm. genres where you just watch numbers and bars go up uh they're barely games for the most part i mean it sounds like this one you know you have you can make a decision you know again the sending to the sleazy motel thing is a decision you can make and that can go wrong so it is technically a game but it seems like the amount of strategy involved in it and management is minimal it is very minimal. And that's, yeah, fuck that's games depressing. like that. How do you, uh, from an inside great. baseball standpoint, how do you record that? <laughs> like how, <laughs> what has your life been like? Dude. You recorded a couple episodes of, of Honeycam Studio. I need uh, to know. 
<laughs> like what? It's just it's just another day in the business, man. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. Really? I put on whenever I put on my white gloves before I get to work on the Honeycam Studios and we start playing. I did like uh, five hour cookie clicker streams, man. It's just Q and A time is all it was. That yeah, that man. is all those streams. Luckily, like so far the first couple episodes, like they constantly unlock new things and it just unlocked like the sleazy motel for me. So it just it's just making fun of like the nonsense that's happening in the game. But the gameplay wise and uh, story, the other cool thing about Honey Pop was like, you actually got to know the girls, like what they did, their jobs, their personalities. This is, they're just, they're, there's no personality to them at all. It's like, what do the men like about her the best? Her thick ass and glasses. Like, and that is straight up thick ass. ass. That is straight up. <laughs> like, you go, you click on it, you're like, what finishes do they fulfill? It's like glasses and Wait. ass. So oh, it, it, it bullets out thick ass as yes. an thick Oh my God. Well, of course thick it does. It's yeah. a bullet point for the girl, for some of the girls. And like, there's no like getting to know them though, you know? And so it, you, you spend your upgrade points that you're accumulating to build from a thin ass to a thick ass, right? That's well, what you spend I spend the upgrade I points to send them to the store to buy them cocaine so they can do their job. Oh, no, what the fuck? Sure, yeah, that sounds right. Yep. You, you, it is an item you can is buy. This, this is an entire parody, right? Like, this is. It has got to be. Like, there's. Please, some, God. Like, Honey Pop was dirty. This is like different kind of dirty. I guess like un sleazy. horribly it unethical immoral dirty <laughs> like yeah. yeah it's weird it's like stuff like you can buy them cocaine to do so they can do their job doubly as fast so you can make them oh that's not how camming works like you, you <laughs> That's so gross about this, just hearing it. Listen, man, I'm doing a great job so far with my business. Just hope for all the girls and they all do their thing. And and oh you have God. to like, constantly have to manage. So like the supplies you manage uh, is the fans that you're gathering, money. Um, their Resolution of the webcam. <laughs> true. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, 100%. Yes, by, 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 by webcam, yeah. yeah awesome. Make more money. Yeah. Um, and then their personality traits. And, a, and two other ones, which are just out of nowhere, booze and cigarettes. So that when they get stressed, they drink booze and smoke cigarettes, so they're not as stressed. Because Healthy. if they get too stressed, if they do, if they get too stressed, they won't do any work, and you have to send them to the spa. Well, that, that's probably why they banned it, not because of the nudity. They banned it because it's sleazy as hell. It's yeah. very it's a sleazy game. Yeah, but GTA Five's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, I mean, come on, really. Well, here's what I don't understand about this: Why cocaine when they could just as easily put heroin in? Get them dependent on it, and then they'll just cam for longer. <laughs> this is gross. Your what? overhead would get so much lower. No, and... TB made a valid point there, right? Like, you don't want them to be finishing faster. That's not the <laughs> That's point. That defeats here. the point of the cam exercise. Like, yeah. <laughs> if anything, you want to slow them down, give them some ketamine, you know? <laughs> oh They're women God. of agency. They can choose whether or not to take that, you know? Uh, and there is weed in it as well. Like you can give them weed. There's just other drugs. Hell, I was just assumed at this point, right? I mean, we, well, naturally, it's just really strange. It's just really strange. <laughs> but again, all of that could be replaced with anything and make it a totally different clicker game. If you well, want. yeah, it really is. It literally is just a. It's a theme. That's all it's it is. It's exactly. Mm. Complete it total theme, which is a shame because Honey Pop as crazy and hilarious as it was, was really well done. It was actually a fun game, yeah, you know, absolutely. outside of the stuff that there were some things that made me like go, what the fuck, like, in that game. <laughs> yeah. But the actual gameplay, the core loop, was actually fun somehow, and you know, the characters were at least interesting, if not well-written. And yes. yeah, I mean, it, it, it did what it did well, and this apparently sounds like it really doesn't, so. Yeah.
So how has Honeycomb Studio done compared to Honeypop on the Steam charts? St uh, so that's a great question. I mean, Honeypop's still really fucking well, if I recall correctly. Mm. Really, longevity, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it, apparently it did over like a, I think that did over a million, didn't it? Oh my so, goodness! Wow. So uh, actually, no, it didn't. Uh, three, three, six, three hundred sixty thousand on Steam for Honey Pop, which is quite a lot. I don't know how much they sold outside of Steam because I think it was on Humble and it was also on GOG and a couple of other places. Honey Cam. Uh, I'm on the page now. It's has done terribly so far, yeah. but bear in mind it's only been out like a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So th these these numbers are probably not going to be right yet. Uh, yeah. I mean, right now it's claimed there's 820 copies also sold. Mm. Uh, but again, the the number's not going to be correct yet. Uh, it takes several weeks for uh, for Steam Spy to get even remotely accurate. So, I did it. How did it do on the Steam charts? Has anyone like seen uh, on on Steam's actual website what, what where it is in the Steam charts at all? Uh, like user reviews. I just no, just uh, the sales charts. No, like, it's number uh, ten, number ten on the sales charts. Like it's oh, top, yeah, it's top ten. Yeah, it's under Hover Junkers, which is one of the VR games actually mm. that we got in the review kit for Vive, and it's under the Steam Controller Hyperlight Drifter. Enter the Gungeon is top because of course it is. Uh, is that actually out now or yes, yeah, 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 it's actually today. out now? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, but apparently Honeycam Studios not worth your time is the conclusion that we come to. By the sounds of it. Alright, well, let's move on to HTC Vive then, shall we? Because I unfortunately I did promise this on Twitter, so I'm going to have to actually talk about it. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not saying it's bad. It's just I had to rush it. So the Vive arrived right as I left, which was annoying. I, I, I My parents were over for the week from England, so we took them down to Atlanta because we thought, hey, that'll be more fun than Charlotte, which is not. So it's like, hey, let's go to some kick-ass restaurants. Let's go see Cirque du Soleil. I think that's my seventh Cirque show now. It's fucking great. They always are. And uh, got the aquarium where there's a giant whale shark, which is the best. And there are <laughs> dolphins that fucking jump around to ACDC, which may also be the best. <laughs> there are women riding dolphins. There are men riding dolphins. There are dolphins, thankfully, not getting a little bit randy, you know, as dolphins have been known to do. Um, but yeah, George Aquarium is amazing, by the way. If you've never been, fucking go. It's it's I've fucking been. amazing. But uh, the Vive arrived right as we left, and then immediately as I came back, I got on a plane to go to WrestleMania, which I regret thoroughly. Um, <laughs> it was fucking terrible. But had I not done that, I'd have had some more time with the Vive. But I got home last night, took a couple of hours nap, and decided, look, you know what I'm going to do? And I set the Vive up, so I'm going to clean out my office, because you need space for this thing. Uh, so I managed to clean out the minimum space. Uh, you, when you set it up, you've got to get a certain amount of room, and then you take your controller, and during the setup process, you trace the outside of your space in the air. And that defines your play area. And the first couple of times I did it, it said, this is not big enough. I'm like, really? I thought I'd, I'd done the measurements, because it was uh, 6.5 feet by 5.5 feet is the minimum, apparently. Which I thought, you know what, I've got that space. My office unfortunately has a slanted ceiling, so half the office is used for storage and the other half, and I've got a built-in desk in the wall. So I've got kind of, the space is sort of cut in half. Mm. But I managed to set it up. Finally, I got the right space, only just. And after about an hour, because I did, I, the, the setup process is a bit of a pain in the ass. You've got to take the two kind of laser boxes and mount them to the sides of the wall, and they've got to be at a 45 degree angle down. So they you have, have to all... actually mount them too, right? You can't just... I mean, well, if you could somehow balance them in some way that they'll mm. sort of point downwards and not fall over, you don't have to mount them. But there's a mounting kit that comes with it that's really easy. And all I did was I slapped some uh, double-sided tape 
on the back of the mounting kit because I didn't want to drill into the wall until I was 100% sure that I was that they were positioned right because right. I didn't know if I'd yeah. fuck it up. Put them up mm. and, I mean, turned them on and I noticed immediately a high-pitched motor whine, which does not stop. Uh, the only mm. And they don't have a way to turn them off other than pulling the plugs out. That's a stupid oversight. Like that's the first big oversight I saw with the system. I went on Amazon and bought the uh, the remote controlled uh, outlets. So I'm just going to plug them into that and then turn them off that way. Uh, so because it's, I mean, you can hear the sound on a recording. You can clearly hear the sound. It's a high pitched whine of the motor that I assume is either some kind of cooling or something to do with the way the lasers sort of move and align. Uh, so that is irritating. Uh, but you get used to it pretty fast, thankfully. But on recordings, it's definitely going to show up. Set that up. Did the did the whole thing. Aligned everything. Fairly easy to do. Uh, you use these to do the alignment. So let me show these to you on the cam. So the with the Vive kit, you get two of these controllers. Uh, which obviously look super fucking weird. Um, they have a trigger on the back, kind of like a Wiimote. They've got a side button. They have the, the Steam controller flat owl face eyes mm. you know uh they've got that that's in the middle and then two buttons up and down and they're fully three-dimensional motion controlled and they're done so within the laser grid that the two boxes project onto into your room so it's it's kind of like connect only not shit and <laughs> they, they work really well and as soon as you put the headset on you see virtual representations of these wherever they are in the room so you can put the headset on and then find them without running into a wall which is nice as you literally just reach out and it's right where it should be. And it's weird because when you reach out, you don't see your hands, but because of the perspective being so accurate, you understand exactly where they are. So you pick them up and then they will be shown as you move them around. And these controllers turn into different things depending on what game you're in. So mm -hmm. guns, a sword and shield, uh, all that kind of thing. The best thing that I had was, uh, there was there's a little sort of dungeon crawler game that I played yesterday. I can't quite remember the name of it, something realms or whatever. And it's that's a room what's called a room scale game and vive supports room scale or sit down play so room scale is you wander around your room and the limits that you can wander usually without running into a wall is defined by that thing you did earlier with the tracing so you, you create a play area when you approach that play area you will see almost like a tron like grid in front of you which is like kind of the the outside of the holodeck i guess so yeah. it's like don't awesome. walk past this. You're going to fall over something. Mm. It's very accurate, and I have not run into anything yet, which is impressive because my entire room is completely covered in nonsense. There's, like, things everywhere that I could easily run into. Uh, but it's very, very accurate. And that game, uh, you use these as your hands. I reached over, grabbed a torch, a flaming torch from the wall of the dungeon. This became a torch in my hand. I could move it around everywhere, and I, re I, could, I reached forward and lit a candle with it. And then another candle. Nice. And it was the best fucking thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, like, oh awesome. my god! Oh, yeah. Holy crap! Yeah, these th this uh, these controllers, in my opinion, are like the the biggest advantage right now that Vive has over Oculus. I will admit, my Oculus arrived today. I haven't tried it yet. I don't know what the quality is versus the other. I'm going to test them both. But the controllers are a big fucking deal. They work really well in a lot of different genres. They work fucking well in shooters. So there's something called Space Pirate Trainer, which is one of the first uh, release titles for Vive. And it turns these into guns, and you fucking aim and shoot. It's really simple. Like, it's full 360, so you turn around, bang, bang, bang. Uh, these are both guns. You can reload. You use this to switch your ammo type. 
Uh, you can reload and put up a shield to block um, things. And they're accurate as fuck. They're like Wiimotes if Wiimotes were developed this year and with really advanced technology. So I can see actually a really, uh, potentially in future, really great FPS built around these controllers. Um, so these are amazing. Super accurate, incredible. Even the demo where you start up with the tutorial, they, um, uh, they've got Wheatley, who is your tutorial person who teaches you how to use them. And it's like, press this button, and a fucking balloon gets inflated from the top of it. And you can hit it! You can you, you do the balloon, it starts flying up, you can fucking hit it, and it, you can uh, create another one and bounce it off, and you create different colored like balloons. Vibration, like feedback. Haptic feedback, yeah, good. It's good too. Like I've go. never been a big, uh, big fan of Rumble. I thought Rumble was kind of shit. Haptic feedback is a lot better. Obviously, it doesn't give you the full experience, but right, it right. feels it. It's very accurate and very responsive. So it, it, it very much feels like. Yes, you've done something with your hand. What it was, you're not really 100% sure, but, you know, you did something and it felt like you did something. And there was some form of resistance, so some kind of uh, tactile feedback when you did it. So we've made great strides from the tiny little motor spinning around in a circle really fast inside the controller is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> if, you've used, if you've used the Steam controller at all, you know kind of what the haptic feels like. I think it's a bit stronger in the Vive controllers, so it gives you a bit more of a kick, but outside of that... You know, it. I think in a, I need to play a game that has a sword and shield in it. There's, I think there's one in my review pack. I'm just not sure which one it is because they give you like 30 games and just like, what the fuck is all this? Um, yeah. But I think one, well, at least one of them has some combat in it with sword and shield. I think that should be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but definitely the shooters are some of the strongest games. Uh, they're very, very basic. The, the launch lineup of Vive right now is pretty weak, I'd say. I think Oculus has a better lineup because it's got things like Eve Valkyrie right out of the gate which is like a real game. Whereas a lot of these, they feel like tech demos. Um, one of the coolest things you can play on it is called Tilt Brush. And it's not really, yeah. it's not a game at all. You know, you've probably seen the demo of Tilt Brush. Mm -hmm. uh, you paint in the air with light and fire and stars. Um, it is a very good therapeutic experience. I will say that. You know, it, it's really, really cool. It is literally not a game, though. Like, you know, it, it's a it's a really fun, colorful experience, which I think demonstrates the strength of the controllers, but it is not a video game, and I don't see how necessarily that could be incorporated into one. If it was, though, uh, that would kick ass, because <laughs> it's really <laughs> cool to do. Um, so the biggest problem I've got with the unit right now is... I don't know if this is my eyes. I've tried it with glasses and without. You can, despite some people's reports, use the Vive with glasses. You just not. You should not have giant fucking problem glasses. If you have problem glasses, stupid, huge, horn-rimmed things, then, <laughs> then no, you're not going to be able to fit it on your face. Of course, you're not. Your glasses are too big. You're, why are you doing this? If you have proper glasses, like a sensible human being, like me. <laughs> Then, you know, like the people on this podcast, you'll have no problem yeah. fitting them on your face at all. No problem at all. But what I've found so far, despite every attempt I've had to adjust it, clean the lenses, clean my glasses, text, unless you are looking directly at it, is blurry. Oh, no. Every time. And th the biggest problem with that is, you know, that virtual desktop thing they advertise? It's like, you can play any mm -hmm. game in VR with a giant screen. You can. But if it's got text in it, that text is going to be blurry unless you, you look right at it. Mm. 
that's the biggest problem like my vive unit currently has i i don't know how much it's been mentioned by other people who've reviewed the unit but it's definitely an issue for me i actually think weirdly enough the text issue is worse on the vive than it is on this which is the gear vr really? for mobile phones yeah. oh no See, now that was going to be my follow-up because I have the Gear VR and I had that issue with the Gear VR. And if it's worse than that, that's sort of... It's, that's it's as bad, if not worse, in my eyes. I, I will Ooh. say that most of the Gear VR stuff I've done is mostly static experiences because I use it mostly mm. to watch movies on planes. So text is not an issue. But you can see uh, quite clearly on the, on the Gear uh, a blurry text. And you can, for the most part, kind of fix it with that uh, thing on the top here. This, mm -hmm. which will, that's going to adjust the, the the lenses. You can adjust it on the HTC Vive as well, but I found it doesn't really help. Whereas it does help quite a bit on this. It, I haven't seen too much of this in reviews yet, which is why I'm trying to figure out, is it my unit? Are my eyes just fucked? Um, you do have to definitely wear it at a specific angle, because that definitely reduces the blurriness quite a lot. But I found that that uh, you know that is a thing that is happening. I'm probably gonna you know contact HTC and my contact then said, look, is this supposed to be like this? Uh, because you know I've tried to adjust it, and I've tried um, either glasses or no glasses. I've cleaned the lenses. I've adjusted the uh, the distance between the lenses, which you can adjust with the little knob on the side. None of this has helped. There's definitely um, something to be said about the gear as far as you know, like. Uh being able to position it correctly i know that as soon it's as it's a lighter I, headset much yeah lighter. exactly true that like as soon as i situated it perfectly though and got the alignment proper then you know it was okay it's still a little blurry but yeah I, it's, it's definitely cool. always going to be a bit blurry it's just i think i with the vive i expected a bit less of that and i don't think mm -hmm. there is because i thought you know it's gonna have higher resolution with two screens it's a much more expensive unit than literally a thing of plastic with a knob on it and you know that a phone goes in and yet, on my unit anyway, it's not been that way. And actually, when my I, I gave my wife the headset to play um, space the space pirate thing, and the first thing she says of it's a bit blurry, isn't it? So yeah, actually, Ooh. Um, <laughs> I did notice this. Uh, so what I'm going to find out is when when I plug my Oculus in, do I have the same problem with the Oculus? If I do, it's probably my eyes, and there's probably no fix for that. But uh, you know, I wear my glasses; I don't see text as blurry at all. Um, so for games without a lot of text, not really a factor. If you want to do virtual desktop on it, I found it's a big problem, you know, because you've got to really increase the size of the text to be able to see what you're reading, and it's blurry if you move your head around. Uh, so that that that's a factor. I will say though, the immersion value of the Vive is just insane. Like compared to the Gear, it's a lot better. Uh, you uh, the, the the movement. I didn't expect to enjoy the room level movement, and I do. It's really cool. Even if you can only walk a couple of feet before you run into a wall, even then, it's still good. Uh, you get a lot out of that. And especially when you use these controls to start reaching for things because they're yeah. so accurate. That's when you forget where you are in the room. Like, I take my headset off and I'm in completely the place that I didn't think I would be. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm that immersed, I completely lost track of what I was doing in real life. I lost track of my hands because my controllers kind of became my hands. And the, the, the objects that I'm interacting with in the world are really kind of awesome. What if they made a Vive game where at some point they force you to put on a virtual reality headset in the game? <laughs> Meta as fuck. And, and then when you Vive controllers with your yeah. Vive controller hands. When you take it off for like 10 seconds, you're going to freak out. 
Yeah. You're going to be like, my hands actually are these controllers now. That will be amazing. World. If that lasts we have to 10 go deeper. seconds in your life, that's, uh, you might have a different problem. Yeah. What I want to play with it, which I haven't yet, is a, just a sit-down experience like Elite Dangerous, like a proper yes. game. The problem is, I tried to download Elite Dangerous this morning and it didn't work for some stupid reason. Like, maybe their servers were down or whatever. Yeah, but I've got, I've got a HOTAS, you know, I've got an X-52. Mm -hmm. So... In theory, if I'm doing a sit-down, which Vive can totally do, by the way. If you think it's just room level, no. Vive can do sit-down just fine. And it has, like, you can choose between the sit-down experience and the standing around in the area You can. Right? Um, supposedly, it doesn't even matter. If you've set up room level, you can do sit-down anyway, as long as your seat okay. is in the laser grid somewhere. Right. So I have a seat that's on wheels, so I just move it out of the way if I want to do room level. And if I don't, I just want to sit down. That's cool, too. I think... And that experience would probably be the strongest. Anything like a, a cockpit experience, a racing game, uh, I would love to get a wheel and play iRacing with it. I yeah, think that's compatible. The main issue we currently have is that there's a split between what works on the Vive and what works on the Oculus, which is fucking annoying. Uh, mm -hmm. So currently, yeah. the Oculus has more support, I think, than the yeah. Vive does. I know Elite should work on both. Uh, it does, yeah. For, for me, I'm like I was playing Elite Dangerous a lot for a while, and then I got my DK2 in, and I played it on the DK2, and I just couldn't... It was weird because I couldn't, I, I didn't want to play it any other way after that because being in yes. the cockpit of your ship and the Hotas that I have is the is the same one that they have in the game and just one-to-one yeah. -one movement. It was like, after taking off my DK2, I was like, I can't play ED anymore than, without the headset. Like I need the DK2 to play my Elite Dangerous now because it just, the sense of scale that they, that they were able to, to manage to make with that game with VR was incredible. It was, in, it yes. blew me away. That's what I want. That's that. I, I think, uh, you know, as I've been kind of pushing for VR over the last few months, it's been for games like that. It's been for incompetent experiences, flight sims, driving games, space sims, that sort of thing. There was, um, I played, uh, while I was on the plane, I played a game called Orion Trail. I don't know if any of you have played that. A little indie game on the gear. And, <laughs> and the game itself isn't particularly great. It's mostly an RNG game where, you know, you, you go through sectors, something horrible happens, you pick a skill, and then you have, like, a dice roll, basically, called their, like, mm. probability drive. But the cool thing about that is it put you on the bridge of the ship, and you looked around the bridge, and you saw, like, your first officer, who was a giant bear, right over there. <laughs> it, they, they, you have a kind of crossroad aesthetic, and, like, when you get hit, the sparks come out in your face... And like that was that made the game infinitely more enjoyable, even though the game wasn't like really special at all because it was fully head controlled. So you pointed your head at the thing and then you tapped the side of the the headset on the uh, little D-pad controller there. You can see. To I to hope that there the was option. nobody sitting next to you. There was. I actually yeah. I, there was. I, I had explained it to because she was she was curious as to what it was, and I said, you know, this is it's a VR headset. This is what it does. You know, I use it mostly for my flight flight anxiety, and I was watching Hunger Games mm -hmm. in the big two hundred fucking seater cinema that the Oculus Video has uh, on the Gear VR, which is really cool. And it just, it, but this Orion Trail game made me say, oh my god, I want Bridge Commander 2. I want Star Trek Bridge Commander 2, and I want to be on night. that fucking bridge. Yeah, I want to be able to put my chair with the Vive in the middle of my playroom, sit down, and just be like, I am now the captain of the USS Enterprise. And I can get up and walk around and, like, with the controllers, do things. I'm so ready for Bridge Commander uh, VR. You mm. want freaking Honeycam VR is what you... <laughs> no! <laughs> Listen, I won't say no. <laughs> Cocaine! It's like, oh, isn't the control to hand out bags of cocaine to my yeah. girl? It's oh my god! Give me my money! I like in oh. Job Simulator instead of donuts, you just tossing bags of cocaine. <laughs> cocaine out to the girls, lighting <laughs> the crack pipes, and. Yeah. <laughs>
Hurry up so I can this show got really sleazy all of a sudden. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Have you played uh, Fantastic Contraption yet? No, that is definitely on my list of stuff that I need to put See, on. It blew but... Ryan away. It, yeah. blew, it blew me away. It blew well, away. What is it? What's yeah. it all about? So it is a uh, it's a, sa- a physics based sandbox puzzler. Um, oh, my well, favorite. There. Well, <laughs> You basically you build uh, a machine, and the the task of the machine is to get a ball into an exit area. So is it a machine you know, for pigs? Uh, it's not a machine. You can make a machine for pigs okay, if you cool. wanted to. Possibly. That's, I don't that's think adorable. Any, I mean, if you no couldn't, pigs. that would be very exclusionary. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like um, some of them will just be like a, you have to make a car that drives. Like the wheels have uh, motors in them that you can make turn clockwise or counterclockwise yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but some of them are a little bit more complicated. Like you'll have to make almost like a, a trebuchet kind of structure that can like vault the ball into the air. Okay. And it works really, really well in the three-dimensional space. And it's really like, that was my wow moment with the Vive where I was like, I'm just building something with my hands and yeah. it works. Yeah. And the, and the controls really make you feel like you are actually interacting with virtual objects. It's yeah. not perfect. You know, I, I I eventually imagine like haptic gloves will probably be the thing at some point. Um, I don't, I know the, um, the Oculus Touch is a little bit more like that. I think it's like actually mounted to your fingers in some way, which is oh, kind of really? creepy like, as shit. Your, your hands are in the inside of like a ring that you kind of like grab into, I think. Why yeah. don't we just bring the power glove back? It seems like the direction we're headed. It, it kind of does, doesn't it? That yeah, 90s vision of like what the future of gaming would be it's, is actually it's going to be correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that ring. Yeah, it, it is designed that way. Uh, it's it's sort of like it's closer to your hand because it's kind of like a it's in hand there, and then the ring goes around, and your thumb is on a a um, analog stick as opposed to the this, which is like oh, a, a cool, lot yeah. a lot longer, and you've got this uh, sort of touchpad in the center. That seems to be what it's for. But it would be interesting to see if controller-wise we do eventually go to, to finger-mounted level stuff, kind of ha- haptic gloves, basically. Uh, how that- often do you end up using... Sorry, how often, do, how often do you end up using, like, the touchpad on the hand controller in games? Depends on the game. Uh, not that often, really. Uh, often, mm. uh, if they do the touchpad, they usually do it as a one-push-button thing. You can divide it in up to four. So in the tutorial, oh, okay. it's like oh, we can create virtual controls. Press these different ones and it creates a, a red balloon and a green balloon and that. And that works fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's used for swipe, which is totally fine too. The problem with the the, you know, the, the four little quadrants is the inaccuracy issue. Because yeah, you're seeing it virtually, but do you really know you're pressing the right bit? If there's right. no actual feedback, then there's no uh, thing dividing it. So you don't use it that often. It's mostly motion and trigger is the uh, the two things that you do the most in the games that I've played so far. I haven't played that many, admittedly. I've played like, you know, yeah. seven or eight of them. Uh, and they're all kind of basic. And quite pricey for what they are, too, actually. Some of the VR stuff is quite expensive, uh, I guess, because they realize, look, it's a new... It's a, you've got early adopters that are willing to spend money on cool experiences, so they're going to sell mm-hmm. it for premium. But I'm definitely most interested in Vive support for traditional games. I think that that's probably where, where I'd use it. And it's like Math has said, there are some games where it seems like you wouldn't want to play it any other way after that. No. No. Whereas right now, these games, it feels like I'm making a commitment to play something a bit unusual as opposed to a day-to-day sort of this is how I would game. But in, if enough games supported it, it is how I would game. Because actually, the experience is really fucking easy. Once you've got it set up, you load Steam VR, it automatically detects your light boxes, the headset, and the controllers... And then you just, uh, Steam switches over. If it's a VR game, you have an option to click play in VR. And then what it does is it, pr- it puts it in the headset, but you also have a 2D version in a window on the screen. 
So if you want to do capture, you can do it that way. Although the size of the window is a bit weird, and I think I need to sort of change it around for proper capture. But also, if someone wants to spectate you and watch you do it, what see what you see, that's how they do it. And it's just low. It's like um, Steam Big Picture mostly. Uh, how you interact with it. It's a sort of, you're in this sort of 3D space, you press the menu button, it brings up basically Steam p Picture, you aim at it with the kind of laser thing, and then you click it. And then you load the game. It's really, really simple. Um, so... But, uh, yeah. Oh, please, go ahead. No, no, the conversation that we had about uh, VR games in particular was that we, we didn't really want to see the games that more or less were just, this is the first thing we thought of when we thought of VR. Like, we had a lot of basically tech demos that we experienced. I was a lot easier to impress, I think, though. I played uh, Esper, which was just a really simple puzzle game on the Gear VR. And that was just a... That I, I, when I think about it more, that it was effectively a tech demo of look at how puzzle games can change in the three-dimensional space. With 3D space, yeah. Yeah. You can do some chaos stuff with it. I think rail shooters might make a serious comeback. I play yeah. Time Crisis on this thing. Fuck yes. Mm -hmm. That'll be amazing. I mean, with with the room level stuff, you could do the actual ducking behind the walls. You could literally just have you duck down, and I mean, you yeah, you don't need the foot pedal anymore. No, no, you get pretty fucking worn out that way, but you can mm -hmm. definitely do it. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's it'll be a little weird. Uh, the way they did the movement in that dungeon crawl I was talking about was kind of an example of the sort of stopgap solution to not having an omnidirectional treadmill, which is it's you aim. I thought maybe you just lifted your knees up and down. No, no, you don't do that. You <laughs> you aim with the right uh, with the right thing, and then you tap uh, the button, and it moves to that spot automatically. Mm. So it's like you, it's almost like tile based movement. So that's how they got around the walking. You can still walk around the area, but you walk around kind of the tile you're standing on, and that's how they got around. Uh, you can't. You don't have an infinite space to walk in. You're going to run into a wall. It works. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really give you too much uh, dissonance. I found. I thought maybe that would make me kind of sick because my brain was saying this. Sh I shouldn't be teleporting. Apparently, your brain's totally fine with teleportation. It's fine with it. <laughs> wow. You can do it. Uh, but uh, what I think might be weird is whether or not, uh, if you were in a rail shooter, if it was moving for you, m that might become right. weird. Mm. There is a game that I played on both Gear VR and it's available on Vive as well called Bizarre. The aesthetic of this game is fucking beautiful. Uh, it is a magic carpet riding game where you are in you're on a magic carpet and the world is all like it's a sort of very arabian and it is the the aesthetic is is gorgeous i can show you on the screen right now it's very uh, very pastel colored obviously quite uh, low textures but they use flat they use most use flat textures but they use a bunch of like very psychedelic colors in pastel and you fly through this area and you're expected to find items there's kind of a survival element where you have a food meter so you have to collect turkish delight and magical fish that you find and you eat them uh you can find keys to open doors you look around to find coins uh so you have to look at it and, and then you collect it and there's little puzzles here and there as well that the motion on that feels good because the magic carpet is taking you places you can also choose to like take a turn when you want so you have a level of control over it but mostly it's the magic carpet moving on its own so you could consider that kind of a runner really mm. and it works yeah. you don't feel sick on it at all i played it on the plane at 36,000 feet, and I didn't feel motion sick, which I think is in itself kind of impressive. Uh, so, you know, and that was just a Gear VR. I'm actually going to play this on Vive as well, because I think it's going to look a lot better, and it's going to play a lot better. But I was quite impressed by Bizarre. I think there's going to be quite a few experiences like that going forward that will work quite well. They're limited, but they're fun.
Did you play, I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but there's a free game on the Gear VR, probably on other ones too, uh, that is an on-rail shooter uh, where you shoot little balls using the touchpad on the headset and there's glass panes everywhere that you have oh, to destroy. That's unsatisfying. So, I haven't yeah, no, played it. it. <laughs> it's satisfying. It feels really good. I, I have played Gunjack. I played Eve Gunjack on 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 uh, Gear, which is pretty good. Like It's an Unreal 4 engine game. It runs pretty well. I mean, it literally is just a turret game. You know, mm. you're just fucking shooting incoming EVE ships and reloading with a swipe, which is actually feels kind of cool. Mm. But it, very, very, very basic. Super basic. So we'll, we'll see. I have yet to have motion sickness. Bear in mind, I get car sick. I, I actually have real motion sickness in real life. And field of view was a related sickness as well. Nothing in that. Uh, the field of view in the Vive is really good. It's, it's, wide, it's as wide as it needs to be in my eyes. Um, and on my eyes. What I will say is that the people that make a big deal out of the front-mounted camera on the Vive, I literally have seen no use for that at all. Mm. Because there's actually a gap underneath, if you hadn't noticed from using it. If you need to look down to see something, you can. So the camera oh, on the front, hmm. which people have been hyping up, I found to be utterly useless. It, it doesn't serve any purpose at all. And if it gets like, oh god, I've got to reach these random things while I'm doing my VR, like, do you? I mean, the only thing you need is your headphones, which you know you can use your earbuds for. There's there's a jack right in the in the headset. Now let's show you the headset. So you know that that is the Vive headset. You know, big fucking thing. Um, and then it's got the dials on the side. This cable that comes out of it is a triple cable, which is the HDMI, the USB, and some other thing, probably power. And then this is a headphone jack. So if you want to just, uh, you can either plug your headphones into this or you can plug it into your sound card. It'll work either way, but obviously it's to avoid you getting tangled up in cables. Am I missing something about the indentations? Are they just finger grips? I have no idea what these them? are for. I don't know it if they're for so something. It looks a bit weird. It's like, it looks like a mushroom. It's like, uh, are these for laser tracking? They might be right. for laser tracking mm. of some sort. Yeah, I mean, I don't care what actually, I look like. I just looked it up but... and apparently that, that third cable that comes out of the back is a... For a saline solution that also contains some essential amino acids and fats. Ah, yes. Dude, just in case you get lost in the VR environment. It yeah, it's literally raw. an IV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely like, what don't, it is. don't start VR. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but according to the chat, there's sensor spots, <clears throat> which makes sense. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah I suppose. Okay. Um, you know, I don't understand technology much, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what that's for. And to cosplay Master Yi. If you paint them green, you know. Seeing like maybe like Black Widow from Overwatch. That too. Yeah, you could probably do that as well. You know, I've, I've seen some complaints about that the Rift actually you can't see underneath and it's a bit of a problem maybe for people that need to use the controller but don't know where the buttons are. So it's interesting to see the Vive doesn't have that issue and no, also it doesn't. the camera anyway. Yeah, that, which is, it seems redundant because it doesn't <laughs> have the issue. You just look down and you, there's a gap there. And uh, I thought that would uh, cause a light leak issue. No, it doesn't seem to. Mm. Like the rest of it's covered really well. As long as you're looking where you're supposed to be looking, I, I not, have not noticed the light leak at all on it. Uh, I will say, though, I haven't tried the Oculus yet, you know? I've got it over there, I'm going to set it up later, and I'm going to see which is kind of best for sit-down, which, uh, obviously, only one of them does room scale, so Vive wins that right now, anyway. Um, I will be interested to see what happens with the Oculus for sit-down, and if the Oculus doesn't have the text blur, I'm going to say, if the Oculus does not have the text blur, I think it's going to be my daily VR driver, assuming you can call it that. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing that's bothering me the most about it. And I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a hit on something else as long as the, you know, that text blur is not there or is less prominent. 
the weight of the headset is um i mean it weighs quite a bit more than the than the gear does it's fine i haven't really had a problem with it i used it for like about an hour and a half straight i did notice after a while i was getting uh, my eyes were starting to hurt a bit bit of bit of eye strain probably straining to see the text not blurry i think it had a lot to do with that and that was with my glasses on it probably would have been worse with them off but other than that i mean i'm looking forward to playing more with it you know it's a really cool piece of kit I don't, I don't, I think there's a lot more to be done with VR, you know, obviously it's, you know, the first big attempt at it, but I think the tech is relatively solid, and I think there's going to be some really cool games with it, I can't wait to play Elite, I can't wait to play American Truck Simulator, and all that kind of <laughs> oh, thing, yeah. but... Trucking I, and space trucking, man. Absolutely, that's, that's all it is, but I, <laughs> yeah. I will say absolutely 100%, fuck this, the current split in launch lineups, these are not mm. consoles, you know... Right. It's like saying I can only play a game on a certain kind of monitor. That's fucking dumb. Mm. Right now, I think Oculus has the best, the strongest launch lineup because they have like real games with it. Uh, things like Amec and um, Eve Valkyrie and such. There are that those are coming to Vive, but they are not on Vive yet. So Vive Vive seems to have limited core game support at the moment. Hopefully that will change because uh, obviously I want to play a lot more games with it. But outside of that. It's really cool tech. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I'm going to do probably plenty of videos on it. I can't wait to do a tabletop simulator with that and fucking yes. grab yeah. the fucking piece and throw it at your face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're Hitler. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just bang, go for it. I, I think that's going to be great for fucking board games. It's going to be an awesome experience yeah, with those yeah. controllers because it's so good picking things up with that. It feels awesome. You know, I, I do need to play more Hover Junkers, which is the sort of multiplayer shooter. Um, Vanishing Realms was what I was playing in the dungeon crawl. And there's an episode, episode, I think, called Starseed, which looks really interesting. That's on Vive. So I need to throw the, I need to throw myself into those and see what happens. Yep. So I that's my VR until, like, I can't wait to like, get my Vive like a year from now. And then I trace <laughs> out my room and then Wheatley holds up an eye chart and is like, can you read the fourth line from the top? And then he's, okay, how about now? Is one or two better? Okay, now two or three. I'm actually kind of surprised because they were mentioning, uh, I think Oculus and HTC both mentioned the possibility of prescription settings that mm. you could customize. Nothing of the sort, from what I can tell. That's probably going to be an issue for some people again i can weather with my glasses but the more shit you've got in your eyes the more it's going to heat up potentially fog over i haven't had it fog i'll admit that but it you definitely your eyes start a little bit warmer because you've got a lot around your face at that point so there's no there's no ventilation really for your mm. for your skin around there so after a while i think you'd have problems you know think about sitting in this thing for 12 hours i don't think you're going to be able to do that like not without a break you're going to have to follow that damn instruction that says take 15 minutes break every hour in gaming. The one that yeah. nobody follows. I always thought it was a myth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to have to actually follow that. Have you noticed the screen door effect as prominently in the Vive? I don't know what that is. It's uh, uh, the pixels, essentially. Yeah, more, more or less, like, literally feels like you're looking through a screen door. Um, it's definitely there. Uh, it's yeah. not as prominent as the gear vr but it's definitely noticeable which again i was kind of disappointed by because i was hoping you know i was hoping hey we well, you know the gear vr is like this because it's low resolution with only one screen in comparison cool but the vibes like hey that's supposed to be a bit more high resolution right it's got two screens that you still see the sort of grid it's a very very fine grid it's like looking through um it's like looking through a fairly transparent mosquito net 
Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. It's there. It's definitely there. You, it, depending on the lighting in the game, you notice it less or more. You notice it quite a lot in the um, in the Vive home screen because it's very bright mm. and there's not a lot to dis- distract you. If there's a lot of textures on the wall and things like that, you do not notice it as much because it gets muddied in with their wall texture, so it's less obvious. And obviously, if you're moving a lot, it's less noticeable. It's more noticeable when you're not moving very fast, but it's definitely there. Absolutely. Sweet. I want one. That's all I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's def- it's definitely a fun piece of tech, no doubt. You know, I'm not I'm not regretting having one in the slightest. So uh, or having to clean out my room. I'm gonna have to clear it <laughs> no. more for when I do the videos, because my plan <laughs> is that yeah, I, I was thinking what's the best way to record VR. I'm like, well obviously you record the two D, but I think you've got to show the movements in order to be able to really get the settings. So, you know, toss a couple Go GoPros, go, one yeah. on either arm, arm mounted GoPros for each controller. Uh, webcam front facing and 2D capture. So four camera setup, I think, is the best way to record VR. That's my theory, at any rate. I look fucking ridiculous, but, <laughs> but it's okay. On TV with like GoPros on his arm and one on his head. Yeah, wires coming out of his VR headset. Pretty much, it's like the GoPro into each eye. You know, Arr! just wear a mocap suit with the yeah. ping pong balls all over it. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Totally. Those, those GoPros into the eyes. So we're joking, but vloggers in the future, five years down the road, man, that's all it is. Just sunglasses with cameras. We're just like surgically implanted cameras into their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's it's going to be interesting. I've ordered the straps to go on my fucking uh, arms. I have no idea how it's going to work. It might. It might be the worst thing I've ever made, but i'm gonna try I'm gonna get... i want to see it so bad it's and the first like... and only time you're ever gonna see face cam from me in a youtube video man you're like <laughs> it's gonna be really weird and it's not really face cam it's like fucking stupid mushroom face cam you know <laughs> we, you <laughs> gotta like have... the, the most failed borg experiment <laughs> <laughs> We yeah. are the Borg. As soon as that video goes up, we need the video, and then we have to have like a separate, just behind the scenes video, no sound from the game, just you fuddling around with the vibe, with just running as a wall, room audio, just quietly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you put the Bang, song in like, from Undertale. Oh yeah, my go. god, it writes itself. I can't wait for them to release what they're, they're the Guitar Hero or is it Rock Band uh, on Oculus? I think it is. That is like if you can't look any more stupid. Here, you get a plastic guitar, that stupid fucking thing on your face, like, ah! Oh, dear God. This no. is gaming. This is video <laughs> games. What is VR gaming? Put yes. the green screen behind you, and then just put yourself in the game with the chroma key so that you're actually in the frame as you're playing it. Who That's needs a VR? sick idea. I mean, syncing that up would be really fucking hard, but not impossible. Mm. There's the people, like some people play American Truck Sim, but they have like the camera behind them, so it just catches like the back of their head in the chair. <laughs> And then they green screen they like put themselves the in the truck. Oh, that's yeah. kind of awesome. oh my god, oh, man, that's genius. That's pretty sick. I got to admit, I don't even own a green screen because like I don't show my face enough to even justify one. But for that, maybe oh, I bought one great. so I could hang it in front of my mirror so you guys couldn't see what. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, I'm so that, that's HTC Vive. Um, I I mean, we're, we're some of us are probably getting headsets over the next like few years. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever but, they decide to send them, hopefully yeah. 2017. 
Yeah, uh, both Oculus and Vive are shipping right now, I believe. Uh, even if you've pre-ordered, you might be waiting several months, unfortunately, for if the you units. you buy one now, Vive says they ship in May. I pre-ordered uh, mine. It's not bad. You probably... no, it's actually I pre-ordered my Oculus in the first 20 minutes or so of it going live, and I wish it was in the first one minute. Unfortunately, it didn't make it. And uh, I'm still in the waiting for getting an email that tells me when I'm getting the email that tells me... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't blame you. They say there was component shortage today, which is surprising nobody. They are, I believe, giving free shipping now as, as compensation for yeah. that, which considering mm -hmm. the weight of that motherfucker is not a bad deal. But unfortunately, uh, that doesn't help anyone who's actually waiting for this fucking thing. But I'll say this, you know, by the time you get it, they'll probably have dealt with some of these bugs. You know, that those fucking light boxes. Why, why do they not sh t turn off when you turn off the VR? Why do I have to deal with that? You know, because these things are mounted two meters above your head. You know, <laughs> the only way to turn them off is to unplug the damn thing from the outlet, which is awkward as shit. So yeah, it weird. would be nice if that could be solved. They're just constantly scanning. They are, they are, which is a bit disturbing because, of course, you know, people are complaining about the Oculus privacy issue. You yeah. have to agree to let Facebook take your information. Well, Facebook is already taking my information. So that's not really a big change for me, but I understand why some people would be upset about it. I will say that, you know, with the Vive, I had to connect to a service of some sort as well some mm. kind of HTC service. And obviously you're logged into Steam, which has rights to your information as well. I don't know who is the bigger offender when it comes to privacy. <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't tell Both you. Both of them are pretty bad. Both of them are probably pretty bad. One <laughs> might be worse than the other. I haven't done enough information. I don't have enough information to truly tell you. But I will say that if you are concerned about privacy, you probably don't want to own a VR unit yet. Man, this, you got me jonesing, man. Now that what? I know it, it could ship next month. Yeah, it, I, I looked today because I'm like, do I want to bug HTC for like another few days and see if maybe they'll get back to me? Or do I just want to buy one? So I looked at it and it says uh, expected ship dates in May for pre-orders. Now yeah. it is $1,100 Canadian. I know. <laughs> that's so, that's right. yeah. enough, they'll just get back to me. Just a yeah. business expense, man. Yeah. yeah, write it off. You, yeah. you realize that doesn't make the money like not yes. a thing, right? Like no. it helps. Every, it definitely helps. Says just write it off like the government just buys it for <laughs> no, you. No, yeah, they that's just not how that works at all. Right? That's how that works. I hear you needed this HTC Vive. Love the government. Yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. the government. That's whatever government applies to you. Love so it. I'll admit this. Uh, so I I did some you know contacting and networking and bullshit. Uh, to get my units quicker, but I will say I paid for them in full. Because uh, mm. they said to us, like, well, we don't, you know, we're like out of press units because we gave it to the Washington Post that doesn't even know what a PC is, so we had to send them a PC as well. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They actually had to do that. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, because they're like, well, oh, no, can we plug it into our MacBook? No, you can't. <laughs> it's like, will it work on our iPhone? No, it won't. <laughs> so they sent them a fucking, like, $5,000 fucking PC to run this shit. Oh, um, but I said I to have them, this ColecoVision. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, traditional media, why are you so dumb? But that, I said to them, look, I have both of these units ordered because I wanted them as soon as possible for, you know, review and critique purposes. Can I just, like, skip the line? I'll pay. I'm not, yeah. I have no... In fact, I'd actually prefer that I pay because you yeah. giving me a free $800 piece of kit is like, that I need to disclose. That mm -hmm. sounds a bit dodgy. That's kind of bribery, you know? So, like, so I pay for them both, you know? And... I, I was able to get them quicker, which was cool. Um, so, yeah, there'll be VR content coming over the next few weeks that I can guarantee. Um, but it 
it's it's really interesting. I'm I'm kind of fired up because it's a new thing in gaming, and we haven't had one of those in a while. Oh yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was trying to sell these guys on the sitting under mushrooms as a small ant on the brain. That's awesome! I love that. Experience. Yeah, so the cool, ant, ant theater is the best. Your <laughs> yeah, screen is. is a fucking Samsung phone on its side in front of you, but you are an ant, so it's jai fucking gigantic, and it's a mushroom right up there. Thank God, man! These I guys, believe in mushroom we got our theater. Mushroom segment out of the way. Can we go to market? <laughs> 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 It's true. It. Yeah, they're adding basketball. I don't yeah, care. Man. It's true. You can be on the moon too. You know, that's the thing. Oh, your home I mean, theater. I didn't even theater. tell them about the moon. The moon is just the moon. Like, yeah, fucking frosting on the cake. Yeah, it's so cool. People saw. Just people don't get how good it is watching media on VR. Like, yeah. especially if you fly. If you fly, Gear VR is the fucking godsend. Like, I felt. I I get flight anxious. And obviously, I'm sitting in economy, which means that, you know, I'm in the smallest possible space. Yeah. And I really want to not feel that way. And you know right. what? Having the Gear VR headset means that I don't feel that way. And that's fucking brilliant. Well, it's this, you want to watch a movie while your wife's asleep or whatever next to you? Gear VR, earbuds. Done. What would it would give me anxiety though, knowing that I'm in an isolated space and knowing if people are trying to get my attention, it's going to be jarring. <laughs> if the plane's going down, yeah, then you're. No, you're gonna, you're like, hey, do you want do you want a soda? Do you want water or something? I'm like, I'm off in another planet looking at. <laughs> That's where the pass through camera comes into play, man. Yeah, yeah, pass through camera on the Gear VR, you can do that. Uh, I, I just ignore them completely, and they know oh. me too. Um, I mean, the person next to me. I mean, on the way to WrestleMania, I was in, like, first class anyway, so I'm like, you know what? I can do whatever the fuck I want because yeah. money. On the way yeah. back, I was in economy, so, and that, I was like, you know, I'm going to explain to the person next to me what I'm about to do so they don't think I'm about to try and blow up the plane with my laser eyes. <laughs> yeah, <that's fair>. <laughs> <laughs> and she was actually really interested in the headset. I'm like, yeah, you know, it does all this. And it's like, that sounds really cool. Does it work with the iPhone? I'm like, sorry, Apple's kind of a bit behind the times there, but mm -hmm. maybe they'll do one eventually, the i set or something they'll probably have to make it look fashionable that's the problem that's why they haven't made yeah. it because yeah. you know i you know apples for hipster fucks so as a result you've got to make it look really <laughs> stylish <laughs> yeah? although no, no one will use it um will they let you wear it during takeoff yes wow okay. yeah i remember they changed it recently so you can use uh electronic devices during takeoff and landing you never used to be able to do that mm, uh headsets yeah. they don't have a rule for that yet but they let me do it no problem. I will say taking off feels very weird when you're sitting in a theater and suddenly the theater tips this way. Like, <laughs> like hang on a minute. <laughs> it's at that point that you switch to the flight sim, like the, the, the 360 video of the blue streak Navy pilots or whatever. And mm. it's like, this now feels okay. Because now yeah. I'm in a virtual plane in a real plane. Uh, <laughs> yeah oh, yeah is pretty kick-ass uh let's take a break and when we come back we still have more games to talk about and the shit all news this week so let's just do that you know we've got That's more games to yeah. talk about let's do it you're watching the co-optional podcast with the entire cast of the round table on here today you probably noticed the significantly less bullshit which is kind of weird uh, I wonder what happened to Jesse and Dodger <laughs> and the bullshit where did they, are they go are huh? they filming their travel show they are yeah I think this is the last time they're doing it. So this is the last time they bail on me for some goddamn sling thing. <laughs> <laughs>
sponsored. Can not you hear sponsored. the resentment in my voice? It's a real a thing. Bit. <laughs> Just a little bit, never yeah. sponsored by Sling ever again. I was never sponsored by them to begin with. You know what you I can do, though? You can buy my goddamn shirts. We'll be right back in about you know, five or eight minutes to talk about more video games. Squash the podcast, don't go anywhere. Buy my goddamn shirts. X, gon' give it to you. Bugger waiting for you to get it on your own. X, gon' deliver to you. Knock, knock. Open up the door. It's real. With the non-stop pop-pop and stainless steel. Go hard, getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart, I'll make a mother flusterer wonder if he did it. Damn right, and I'll do it again. Cause I am right, so I got to win. Buy my goddamn shirts. Go to tinyurl.com slash banepool and you will find shirts, hoodies and posters. Deadpool's kind of in right now, so thanks to the movie and everybody pretending to be a veteran fan, there's money to be made, so I'd like to make some extra money by riding its coattails. You can buy all of them if you wish, X will deliver to you, but please frame the poster. You're not in college anymore, it looks tacky. Uh, oh, oh, you are in college? Why are you wasting money on my goddamn shirts? You need to eat! No, ramen doesn't count. It's pointless carbohydrates. You need protein, nutrients. Your brain will decompose. You know what's hard on the decomposing brain? Higher education. Oh, and everything. Look, if your parents are paying for college and or you're rich, okay, sure, buy my goddamn shirts. Buy several, actually. You can afford it. No, you still have to frame the posters. You can afford that as well. There's no excuse. What is it? Oh, it's a mosaic that kind of looks like Deadpool, but also me, made up of smaller thematically consistent objects. There's a GPU in there, power supply a case, 60 and 120 FPS. As far as we know, nothing looks like a penis. The first draft definitely did. We had to fix that. Several, actually. Several dongs. Not okay. It wouldn't have sold well at all, I, I think. Buy my goddamn shirts. Is this real? Is any of this real? Am I real? Buying my goddamn shirts will pay for research to find out for sure. Look, this is awesome because I get to sit here doing nothing and making money anyway. That's good. If I make enough money, I can retire, and then you won't have to be subjected to any more of this horrible pseudo-chap hop, which, let's be honest, is the worst. That's your fault too. You did this. You're responsible. That's what I'm saying. This suffering is on your head. You need redemption. Redemption that can be delivered to you, along with these goddamn shirts. Shipping? Yes! That's free in the domestic United States, and $5 flat everywhere else. I know what you're thinking. $5 to get something halfway across the planet? There's no way it's that cheap. You're right, this is stupid. We're clearly losing money to make things better for you. Who came up with this idea? What an utter moron. This is terrible. But you can save us by buying more of my goddamn shirts, then it will be okay. This is an advert for my shirts, hoodies, and posters, and it's over now. You can stop watching. Arf, arf. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast for the final 40, 50 or so minutes of the show. We haven't really had enough time, I think, to ask still what everyone's been playing. We talked a lot about Gungeon, Hyperlight, of course. We talked uh, too much about Honey Cam Studio. <laughs> and a shitload about fucking Vive VR, which we have now concluded on. No doubt that will come up in the coming weeks. I would still love to know what else everyone has been playing, however. So, if you've been playing anything else, the floor is open to you. Go for it. What have, we, what have we been doing? So a few of us, uh, myself, Ryan, and uh, another person. Uh, don't, a, don't ever speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> We've been playing Paladins. Oh, okay. Paladins cool. The weekend. All right. What do you reckon? So uh, Paladins is 
It's another. It's another MOBA. I won't sugarcoat that at all. Is it a MOBA though? It's first person MOBA e element. Yeah. There's no creeps. Yeah. Right, well, okay, yeah. If, if there's no creeps, it's probably not a MOBA then. I guess not. What would it be then? This is. He, the... I think the term they're wanting to use right now is hero shooter. I don't know yes. if that. That's a good term. Uh, it's very inaccurate, but it's mm. it works, I guess. Uh, the, I mean, what would you call TF2? Like, they, it feels yeah, class-based multiplayer shooter. Yeah, but there's more. There's leveling mechanics, to statistics mm, to your damage, uh, like that kind of thing in Paladins that doesn't exist in something like Overwatch or TF2. That's a good point. Yeah. What about Evolve, though? Where does that fall into it? Evolve <laughs> falls into half games. a game that didn't do very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the sense, uh, for the sake of like disclosure, ship though, me and Ryan are both being going to be paid yes. in a YouTuber tournament coming up in the next few weeks. Scum. So. Okay, yeah. There you go. Starting yeah. starting tomorrow, actually. Yeah, the video mm. video will be live tomorrow. Sponsored content for that is going to start sure. going up. So, well, in that case, I mostly just want to throw shade at Paladin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do actually, for one thing in particular. My God, did they rip off some characters in this game? Like Hold pretty up. blatantly. <laughs> the one I'm seeing right now on the screen is fucking Reinhardt, like in many ways. Uh, he's mm -hmm. got Reinhardt's shield, but he's got like Zarya's laser, or, or actually, it's a flamethrower lance kind of thing by the looks of it. If you could take a look at Pip the Fire Thief for me, I don't know if I can do that. But it let me see if I. <laughs> this this is beyond my production capabilities. I just pull up random people's videos and steal them. It's not. <laughs> It's not like I try. Uh, let, let me see if I can find Pip for you. Maybe there's one on the, uh, well, on the channel here. Here's what's important, Bear. Which Pip are you talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, first of all, Ratchet from popular no. beloved series Ratchet and Clank. Everybody's favorite Lombax. Yes. Oh, oh, oh I, I, think, uh, I think I have a picture, an uh, image of that one. Uh, it, it, this kind of like mouse. Pip, the alchemist. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, okay, I'm seeing that. So what, what is, so his abilities are what exactly i think that's well he's got a he's got a healing potion i the well he's also got a flask that turns enemies into chickens i don't know how directly that correlates uh it's not necessarily the skills either it's mostly just the the appearances i mean we've got groot more or less in the form of grover the yeah. the, the giant tree man but yeah, this is this is clearly Hanzo in some way or another. Cassie, I think, is her name. A lot of these kind of games will take mechanics from other games because obviously there's only so many mechanics you can really make, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then they'll mix them up, so it's like, well, this especially with Dota style games, like, well, this is Anivia plus this other character, you know, this guy with the flamethrower. Oh, also has that. So he's um, Roadhog plus Reinhardt, by the looks of it, the kind of knight dude. Which one are we looking at? The uh, uh, oh, we're looking at Fernando. Fernando, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, huh, yeah okay. He's got some. I mean, there's, there are heroes that look like other heroes, and they have elements from other, like a bunch of other heroes pulled together. But so, the, yeah. I think the, the thing that, that <clears throat> it's high res. Um, they've done stuff like Smite and Tribes and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. The gameplay is really good, though. Um, it feels good. I, I enjoy the leveling aspect, uh, like of MOBAs in general. Uh, it's just that, that sense of progression is nice, and I've been having a good time with it. It's been fun. I actually think, again, like with full disclosure, this is sponsored right. content, but I think it's really fun, and I've been playing it like in my downtime as well, because unlike a game like Dota 2, not to say that this is better, but a frustrating loss doesn't take 45 minutes to an hour. or I, like, yeah, yeah. The, the longest that a game can possibly go 
is basically 20 minutes because it, it functions um, where there's like capture points that spawn. And when you capture the capture point, you get a siege engine. The siege engine is the only thing that can push down what are essentially enemy towers. Yeah, so, and that's, that is the PvE element, isn't it? Because the other guys can destroy the siege engine. So yes. there, there, mm. is, there is a PvE element to it, which means that it's not Overwatch. You know, that, that's True, the, yeah, one yeah. of the distinctions. And the fact that it moves so quickly actually makes it much, much more playable for me personally. Because I still get frustrated. Like, there are times where I'm playing with people and I'm like, have you seriously never played a, a moat before <laughs> and I, I, that's not bad but at the same time i'm like you know you're running in like one versus five and just getting killed and I'm like you have to have experienced this kind of gameplay before to somehow like be in this beta i guess but it's like no you don't understand i was really good at ut99 and i could yeah. kill like three people at <laughs> once with a fucking bio launcher thing oh no, no. yeah, yeah and that's the thing like you can't just like run in there and like pop off three headshots and, and get three kills like uh it, no. it's based on hp i guess more so so and, and tactics like it is an rpg but uh yeah i've had a good time with it so far some of the aspects i find a little bit abstract like i still don't totally understand the deck system like you get cards those cards it's, correlate it's to leather like cards. It's a fancy version of League's runes, right? More or not even a fancy, but like sort of a reskin of that, where they Is just it? they have a uh, system in place where you can get sort of abstract, minimal statistical benefits. But right. cards, so it's not like it's not like fucking Paragon, where literally everything is based on the quality of your deck, and you're utterly fucked before you even go into the game. That's actually, got the, wrong no, shit, right? the decks are actually pretty important. Like, there's two yeah. different decks. You have the commons decks and the hero decks. Okay, uh, all of them can do things like uh, the common decks. Is a, there's a card you can put in that increases your movement speed by 25 percent so right. like it, it's pretty big and then That's the hero deck can replace entire abilities so oh. you can customize your entire hero's ability uh four set of abilities through the hero deck some of the cards are epic level so they're like super pop super good cards so i think there is that element of the higher level you are with the hero the more powerful they're going to be if you that have does their not hero. sound good at all um yeah that's going to be from what i can tell that's going to be their microtransaction aspect oh of the god game. it's going to be free to play essentially <laughs> i mean i i've been very very vocal about how much i don't like paragon system and just the way that it's possible to get fucked before you even get into a game just because you have the the wrong shit or you just you don't have enough you don't have enough for, to make a good deck for this particular style of character yeah it kind of sounds like this game has a similar problem like and, yeah i'm not entirely sure how bad it is but there are aspects of it that are like all right, this card is clearly better than these cards. You want that in your either your common deck or your hero deck. Oh dear, I don't like that at all. Like the, there's some games that have tried to do that and have done it reasonably well. I mean, example, uh, Dirty Bomb did it relatively well. You can you can have different levels of hero, uh, but the uh, the passives that you get from having like the the bronze level hero, which is actually the highest level, everything beyond that's just cosmetic. So anyone that tells you otherwise is lying. Uh, but you get, like, three little passive abilities, and they're really minor, like an extra jump on your double jump, like 10% yeah. less damage from explosive. And um, Battleborn is the same as well. Like, you can pick up the three pieces of gear to activate when you go into the mission, but you have to collect the currency on the map to activate the gear. And if you don't spend it on the gear, you can actually spend it on deployables, which give you experience. So it's yeah. viable to go in and not buying any, any gear at all. In fact, that actually might be optimal because you level faster than everyone else does if you do that. Uh, but this seems like they, they've gone so far in, in favor of you need to get the good cards to activate and you get those with the, you know, the microtransaction thing or, of course, by you know playing the game and getting the in-game currency that you can end up in a situation where you are literally at a disadvantage before you even enter the game, right? 
Yeah, I'm popping open actually the game real quick, so I want to take a look at the decks. Yeah, d yeah, d yeah. it'd be cool if you double check that. I just I don't want to condemn the game. It's good. I've, okay, I I so barely played it. I I played a little <laughs> bit in the alpha, and I, I don't think the card uh, system was in at that point. Champions I have open right now: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's 14 abilities she can have. When you start, you only have four of them unlocked. You unlock the others by getting cards. Um, and I'm looking at the ones that are locked right now. Here's a legendary one. So this is one yeah. that you would get. Uh, you know, it's super high level. Uh, by chance of grabbing it out of a chest. First shot after exiting your dodge roll ability, which is her dodge, deals 35% more damage. That if, if she's a dodge roll account, that seems very significant. She is. She, every eight seconds, she can dodge roll with abilities that will bring that down. Oh, dear. Um, and, that, um, and that's difficult to get, you said? It's considered like the legendary. It's one of her two legendary cards. You start with mm. one legendary, and the other one's locked. The legendary that's unlocked for her is weapon shots deal bonus damage equal to 4% of your target's maximum health. Which in itself is good. I mean, that's a shred, basically. I mean, that's good. Yeah, so that's that's her unlocked one, and then yeah. the rest are, uh, like, commons and uncommons. So each hero has... Two... Are they mutually exclusive? Can you have both legendary cards you quit can only at have any given one. time? You can only have one going at a time. Okay. Yeah, one legendary per deck. And, right. like, two uncommons and two commons or something. Right. This is the game, though, where, like, every single game we were hearing at the end, legendary! Whoa! You got the best <laughs> yeah. card in the game! They do, um... Well, I mean, like, this this isn't even necessarily in defense of it, but what I will say is that after, like, two hours, I had all the cards for one oh. character, so... Oh, did you? Okay, that's good. Yeah. So Does that mean you're basically guaranteed to unlock them at some point? Because that sounds like either you got stupidly like lucky, or... Well, you can buy what I did. You, you get cards in chests, and you get a chest every time you hit a new, like, account level, which right. is, like, every, you know, few games. Okay. Uh, you can also craft the cards for each character individually okay. using the resources that you get in-game. And those seem to be relatively fast. Like, like Matt has said, you start with, like, four out of 14, and I crafted the other 10 after, like, an hour and a half or two hours of play. So... It, it doesn't seem like it's like you're gonna be grinding for for days mm. to to do that but yeah and I, I just i never liked that system in heroes of the storm either where they're like you don't start with all your skills you've got to keep playing the character to get them it's like what no why i mean because that that puts you in a situation where that character could actually be objectively worse than the setup mm. like you've got to trust them to be able to balance every card to be about equal and if they don't then that means that if you don't have a certain card, you are literally objectively less powerful than the other dude, which does does not seem good to me. But I don't know how the, I don't know about pacing the system. I have obviously have not played Paladins. I'm just going off what I've heard. So right. you know, I will. In general, like I, I I think everybody prefers the Dota two style of like yeah. the only thing that you can buy are cosmetics, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, actually, some people don't. They actually prefer being able to unlock stuff because they literally say, what's the point of playing the game if you I, don't get something? And I, I want to punch them in the mouth. I had somebody, after the podcast we did talking about that, I get somebody tell, talking to me saying, well, it gives me motivation to play. I'm like, the game should be motivation yeah. enough mm. to play. And if it's not, the game's probably wank. Have yeah, you realized like, that, like, it's, they're, they're literally, <laughs> it's a Skinner box. They're baiting you yeah. in with bullshit to get you to play it. It's not could... an argument. Maybe just get, like, a second job. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, if I'm not getting trading cards for this, what's the point? I'm not <laughs> so I can get paid at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's fucking sad because people actually think that. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, game has no trading cards? No buy. I'm like, I, I now want, I don't want to punch you in the mouth. I want to stab you in it. Like, what is wrong with you? 
the argument becomes, well, you didn't make the Skinner box well enough for my taste. Like, you need to go back and make a better Skinner box. Yeah, yeah. you know this fucking heroin you gave me? It's not addictive enough, you know? Can you can we go back and add a little bit more? Cam Girl Emporium, we've got the top class cocaine, top class heroin. I don't think they call it top class, dude. We've got the top class heroin. The top class heroin, yes, yes. I have to have some sort of air of legitimacy or something. Yeah, if you speak in a British accent, people will buy more drugs, trust me that's how it works, <laughs> it works. It, yeah I, I think like um it, it's actually really sad to see that and uh, how, how games have gone down that route i i you know i like getting loot loot's cool you know that's what yes. uh, we have a lot of action rpgs but in that case it's not you know i'm not getting loot to do the things my character can do i'm just getting loot to do them a little bit better you know, mm. when I'm getting, when there's cards in this game, some people are going to call me a hypocrite and say, you like Hearthstone. It's like, well, one, I buy all the cards when they come out of launch, so I never have that problem. Fuck you. But secondly, it's a CCG. It's in the fucking name. Collectible card game. Uh, I accept that downside of it when I go into the card game itself, and so does everybody else. I don't, when it comes to games like, you know, MOBA or uh, Hero Shooters, I guess, or, you know, like, Team, even Team Fortress 2 has an element of that, but Overwatch doesn't, you know? I can use all my characters and all my abilities from day fucking one, and the stuff that I unlock is cosmetic. Yeah. And I still get the progression because I get cool shit, but none of it affects my ability to do my yes. job. None of it's yeah. gameplay focused. No, and you I don't... can create character progression without having to attach it to things you unlock, too. Like, that's not impossible. No, it's not, yeah. I mean, you can. You, I, I imagine if you're creative, there are more ways to do it than simply having it be cosmetic. You know, you could probably do it in other ways, but the lazy way is collect a piece of gear that makes you better than the other dude. Yep. And that's going to obviously be a problem. If what if, I will if say is that even though I've played probably like four or five hours at this point, I'm ignorant to whether or not there exists like a common variant of a card that is like your ability does X and then yeah, there's yeah. like a, an uncommon that's like, you know, 1.1 X and an uncommon or a rare or legendary that's like 1.8 X or something like that. So I, I don't know if the legendaries are strictly better in an mm -hmm. objective sense, Hot but I, I think it is probably fair to operate under the assumption that, uh, they are better even if it isn't for exactly the same reasons like maybe instead of giving you like a small movement speed buff it gives you like a higher crit chance or something that manifests itself more prevalently when you get mm. it but i mean what what i like to see uh, when they're gonna do rarity tiers is common is a straight up buff like and this mm. is actually the way battleborn does it a bit um common is usually plus x to y done the yeah. more complicated you get, it's like, well, it's, this is actually more, but there's a downside. Or this is a bit weird. Like, there's a weird condition you have to fulfill. It's like um, people complain quite a lot about legendaries in Hearthstone, but in reality, only a tiny number of them are strictly better than their common equivalent. You know, like, Dr. Boom is strictly better than um, War Golem. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has a point, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> it, it's, it's strictly better than War Golem, with the exception of in the situation where there is a uh, MC Tech involved, Mind Control mm, Tech, yeah. you know, because it puts three minions on the board. Um, so in that situation, it's strictly better. Uh, but outside of that, like, you know, it's a card that's strictly better, but most legendaries are not strictly better to their equivalents that are more common, which is why that kind of works, with the exception of those few obvious cards. It's, I think, a lot harder to do that in another game type like that, where it's stats bonuses. You know, how can you have one be equivalent to the other without it just being numerically better? Really hard to do. And a yeah. lot of them just don't. You know, they just don't do it, and then you're fucked.
basically. But, but I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna try his paladins though. I did watch the video of it, and I'm gonna say like the art style looks pretty good. It reminds me of Gigantic actually, which, yeah, I agree. but without having to deal with mm. the fucking Windows Store, that's a bonus. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll give that a try. I'd, you know, the card system could be good if it's implemented right. It sounds like there's a degree of customization. I love being able to alter my abilities. I think yes. that that's a very cool idea. It's like, well, I've got this ability, but what if I could add fire or add angry cats? Or something. And oh, that's that's like pretty that. much Why exactly not? what it does. Like <laughs> the character that I play as all the time has like a turret you can put down, and then one of the cards, which I think was like a common to start with, was like, well, let me put it this way: when I first started, my legendary was like, your ultimate is better, and then okay. what I changed that to was the other legendary card, which was like, your primary attack now does damage over time as well. Right. Okay. So. That was cool. Like, you can spec to kind of, like, make your character, I guess, a little bit less skill-dependent and more dependent on the actual, like, attacks that you're doing. Um, but, like, you can spec it so that the turret is, like, uh, it shoots fire shots, or you can spec it so that it shoots slowing shots. So there is, like, some variance there, depending on the role that you want to, uh, the role that you want to play, I suppose. Yeah. I, th I think the thing that I would prefer with games like this, and I know that right now, I think in the industry and the, the market, it's not a possibility mostly because there were games that tried it before and failed. I would prefer all those cards were unlocked by default and I paid $30 for the game. Yeah. Yeah. This comes up on our show all the time and that's, you know, pretty much what everybody's opinion is, is like, it would be awesome if I could just buy everything. Or if there was a, a, a skew where you could just buy everything and then maybe other people get in for free as well. I mean, they did that with uh, Smite. 30 yeah. bucks gets you all the gods. Like, yeah. kick ass. That was great. That was a gr And that game did well. Uh, the, then you've got things like Heroes of New Earth, that tried to do that against League of Legends, where you had to buy in, and they they flopped in comparison. Mm. Because free-to-play is really fucking attractive because it removes the barrier to entry. The problem in that is that free-to-play mechanics are always going to affect the design of the game in some way, and usually in a negative way, because they've got to drag that shit out, you know? And it keeps I do want to say... I do want to say that, like, I am preferential to the shorter game length in these style of games that I think is... I like that idea, yeah. More common. Yeah. Yeah, Paragon 15, drags on way too long. Mm -hmm. League, of course, is sort of notorious for, you know, having games upwards of an hour and a half. Dota, Dota can do that too, yeah. yeah. Dota's the same way. And there's, like, nothing more satisfying than, like, uh, an hour-long Dota game that's back and forth. But there's nothing worse than, like, you know, your carry gets ganked four times in the first 20 minutes, and then you just have to wait for the enemy to... <laughs> right. like, it's been over forever, but okay. Your guys like, are still fighting, and all of them just like, it's done, come on, you know? <laughs> it, it, this is over. I, I do admit, like, I like time-limited stuff now. Like, I love Clash yeah. Royale for that very reason. Like, the maximum game length... I think is like four minutes or so. So it's what, two minutes with 60 minutes of overtime? Uh, it, yeah, oh shit, that's a game and a half. I think it, I, I can't remember the exact time run, and I really should know this because I'm like at 2.7k trophies. I should know this by now, but I think it's like two minutes of standard um, elixir gain, then the 60 seconds of double elixir, which is like you know the the 60 seconds of uh, panic bit, and then yeah. if you the, if you're still equal on towers killed, there's a 60 seconds sudden death. Yes. Which, you know, which is an uh, which is the first tower down wins the game, and if that ends, it's a draw, which actually is annoying. But at least I know the game's done in four minutes. Right. True. Yep. Yeah. Um, Overwatch is kind of like that too. You know, the game modes have a timer on them. You know, I think the uh, the capture point mode 
Um, actually, no, they, they all still have a timer on them, don't they? Yeah, even stuck even in overtime loop forever. There is the overtime loop, yeah, uh, where you know if you keep dodging in and out, in and out of the the position on the cart, you can reset the overtime. Uh, but most of the time, you know, Overwatch games are going to be over in a certain amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that those games are short gives me a reason to try Paladins. That's actually literally <laughs> the sole reason I'm going to try it because it's fun. Because fuck fun. Paragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's too much. It, it's too much. We talk about we talk about exclusionary and the barriers of entry there too. But it is, I mean, for that genre, it's a pretty big barrier of entry to say you've got to commit at man least hour. like yeah. two hours to just play a couple games to familiarize yourself with it. Like, man, that is that is a heavy impact. And hell, you know, it's a two. You know, you've got to play like five hundred hours of Dota to be even be passively <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> to be competent. Mm. <laughs> It's yeah, I'm I'm terrible at it, and I've got 700 hours in that game. And most people are like, yeah, I've got 2,000 hours. I'm at like 600 Elo, basically like fucking wood tier. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> half of my games are in average skill quality. The other half are in like low tier. Yeah, let's, let's glorify the the people being paid six figures to play Dota professionally, not recognizing the fact that they themselves probably have about. 100,000 hours in Dota or something like that. A lot of time. Ridiculous amount of time. 100,000 hours. <laughs> That's a lot of hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got. I've got to ask now. Let me. Uh, let me. Let me ask me Google here for a second because I, I. My basic arithmetic is terrible. What is 100,000 hours in days? 100,000 hours equals 4,166.667 days. Jesus Christ. That would be about 12 years of straight time play. The game has not been out that long, unless you count the Warcraft 3 mod. Yeah, that should be fine. Stick with my original assertion. Cool. I mean, I'm glad you're sticking to your guns there. I respect that. It's good. What else has everyone been playing other than Paladins? Should I jump in? I got one here. Go for it. Um, yeah. We'll switch it. over to my uh, paid sponsorship card-based game. Jesus Christ, guys! <laughs> I've what got the hell is this? <laughs> All right. Welcome no, to so, the Co-optional Shillcast. For real, though, I only bring it up because I legitimately love the game. Uh, I wouldn't have talked about well, it if not. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> Force Showdown. Uh, it is a ah, yes. card-based game I'll where you essentially... This, yeah. You go through seven floors in a boss several times over while building a deck, uh, getting one more mana every floor you go down. And uh, it's structured like a game show. And you pick one of four different heroes, each of which have a different sort of construction. And you try and build a deck to make them stronger and better over time. Uh, the deck construction ends up being a pretty big primary focus over time. But at the start, it's more just about your dexterity and skill. And I really like how the game scales out from being rather short, maybe about a half an hour for the first campaign, to closer to an hour for the second campaign. And I haven't even unlocked the third one, so I'm not sure quite how that one's structured. Uh, but I've played about 20 hours or so of it, and the game is extremely addictive. Uh, just basically jumps you right back in for more. Every time you finish a run of it, you end up with a bunch of currency to buy new cards for your deck. Uh, there's a card spinner thing like in Hearthstone, where basically it'll pop you on like a common, a rare, or a supreme uh, and then the ones that you have more than two of, it'll turn those into shards, which are basically like dust. And then you can synthesize new cards from that. So you're always going to be moving forward, building a better deck, and hopefully making progression, even when you have a pretty terrible run, generally. And it will happen. And just uh, to clarify, this is a single-player game, right? You're not playing against other people. Yeah, but it is only single-player, and it does not have any paid elements to it. It is just itself. Um but I, I've just, I've loved it. It's just extremely addictive. And I was hoping more of you guys would check it out, actually. I have played a bit, Sorry. actually. 
yeah. Monday. I did check a bit of it out. Um, it started a little bit slow. Uh, I didn't have too much time to to really get into it, but I am watching right on the screen right now. We're actually watching uh, Cry Sells Out, which is his his sponsored <laughs> video on this. Uh, <laughs> Because Force have been offering like, money to quite a lot of people to do a sponsored, disclosed, obviously, streams of this. Yeah. Because it does have that kind of roguelite element to it. You know, you are going through those levels, it is getting more difficult. The addition of mana every time and building that deck up sort of dynamically as you go, which gives you abilities. Otherwise, it's like it's a top-down uh, sort of Diablo or Dota-style yeah. single-player PvE game. So you're fighting stuff, you're fighting bosses, you're getting pickups. Every level you, you get more stuff. And you've got different characters with different decks and abilities that you can use to do that. Um, I actually do quite enjoy it, like, to start with. I have not played enough of it to give a definitive judgment on it, but I do want to play it more this week and actually get a video out. I think it's kind of legit. And you know what I like about it? It's got a game show theme to it. Which is really odd, but it's like you're in a mysterious future or, or fantasy game show where they're talking up the bosses, like, you know, and the boss is talking shit about you and you're trying to impress the crowd by, you know, killing as many people as possible and all that kind of stuff. And I like the fact they added that theme. It, it feels a bit weird. It's like, why? Why is it a game show of all things? <laughs> mm. But... But it's unique, and I like that, you know? It's something a little bit different, and I, I'm not going to lie, I do like my cards. I do, you know? <laughs> there's, there's a I, ton of permutations to it as you go as well. Like, in the first campaign, the boss is pretty straightforward. You just get one positive or negative uh, that's sort of balanced out based on which stat you end up picking. Each yeah. of the There's four different choices of the different bosses to pick, and each of those bosses has the plus or minus. As you get to the second campaign the bosses are actually accruing cards at the same rate you are and adding uh, extra difficulty to each floor as you go. And by the end, that culminates in like the, the show off of, or showdown rather of your cards versus their cards, mm -hmm. plus obviously your skill and abilities. Um, so even though there's only a handful of bosses, there's so many augmentations and permutations to it that it ends up being relatively a slightly different version of the game every single time you play it. And that's yes. over 20 hours. I've still found it quite different every time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the idea that I might like it as well. And the combat actually from the start is quite good, which a lot of roguelites do fail to do. You, know, you don't really have to wait to feel like you've got some kind of power. You have power right from the beginning, you just get fucking more of it as you yes. go in. Also works quite well with keyboard and mouse, even though it's kind of got twin stick aspects to it. It's actually fine with keyboard and mouse. I played it with it, it was totally fine. That's uh, what I preferred as well. That's yeah. exclusively what I played on. I think you get more precision aiming and it's easier to activate the abilities at the right time when you need to. Yeah. So I think I actually do dig it quite a bit. Uh, please stop with the emails. <laughs> as we've all mentioned we've all got like customized different emails i think um force was complaining in the chat this morning that he got somewhere they made a pun on his name and he was really annoyed by that oh, no. it's, like, <laughs> it's like okay i get it like you want us to play your game i get it you know i, I you're being proactive pr wise but please stop like i already, I already have your game <laughs> I know what it is you know this is not going to make me more likely to play it um, but yeah, it's neat. It's it's definitely flying under the radar right now, probably because of Hyperlight and a few other games, but you may... Uh, definitely Gungeon, but you'll probably... Yeah. You might want to look into it. It actually is fairly good. And I'm not being paid to say that. He is, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the uh, like the Diablo and PvE aspects of it, too. They they released uh, Forced, not Forced Showdown, but Forced, like a few years ago. Yeah, the co-op game, right? Yeah. That's more or less like what that is, is the, the Diablo version of Forced. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, and that was a four-player co-op game where you had to have, like, certain... I think you had, like, certain colored people that could go through certain barriers and do other mm. shit like that. I didn't yeah. honestly play a lot of Force, I've got to admit. Showdown, though, seems like it actually has legs, so... And also, like, on a similar vein, actually, uh, apparently Hand of Fate 2 has been announced, which I'm super yeah, fucking excited really? about. Oh, yeah, 2017. Yeah. Interesting. I'm so glad because that Me game too. is really great with the exception of the 3D brawling being kind of bollocks. Yes, if yeah. they can that's fix like, that. That's our, all of our opinions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's everyone's opinion ever, no <laughs> yeah. doubt. There's, there's no doubt, but... If they can fix that and make the combat better, that game will be sick. Also, bring yeah. back the dealer. Bring back the same oh, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. I He's love great. him. The aesthetic of that game with the cards floating around and him being just a giant dick is... Uh, in VR would be so good. Oh, oh my, my god, god virtual yes. cards in your face! Yeah! Yeah! Hurl them at him, yeah! <laughs> Shit, you know, draw them with the thing, you know, that maybe would, fight with the, the thing? Yeah, Ooh, exactly. stop, 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 stop. The, the combat yeah. way better if you just throw yourself into it. Oh, shit. You've just invented the ultimate game. I am all over that. <laughs> I am being paid to you say that. But that hypothetical game we just came up with is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty exclusionary, though. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> we went there. We did multiple times. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, anyone else been playing anything else they'd like to bring up? Did anyone else play Adrift? No. 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 Nope. Uh, it you... is a... Uh, not to be derisive, but it is a walking sim in space. It's a floating it's a, simulator, right? It is a floating simulator. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, I was, I was a little bit bummed out because I've been looking forward to it for a while. And then I played for like 10 minutes and was like, oh, all you do is float. Literally, and, then, yeah. and, and get audio logs and, and stuff like that. You have to collect um, oxygen not to die though, right? Like, although yeah, they've done oxygen free mode now, you know. There is, there is a gameplay conceit in the sense that you can run out of oxygen. Uh, but the tanks are everywhere. It's it's basically like I almost think of it like what we described earlier of like putting a mechanic in a walking simulator that For the can sake actually, of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's not necessarily bad, but I, I found it kind of boring. But I played for like an hour and then was like, okay, you know. The that. only reason I want to pick that up is for VR because I want the feeling of being but in space. I, it I think looks amazing. Mm. Like it's absolutely gorgeous. But... but the game itself is barely a game. I found it kind of boring, and and I'm the kind of player who like I I finished Firewatch and I liked it a lot, and you know I like Gone Home, which I don't think is necessarily a bad word to to say, but uh, this I just found. Uh, well, like, that game shifted over a million copies, so you're not alone. You know? That's very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but Adrift I just found kind of kind of boring and uh, not really to my taste. Would it be easier to sell it as like a VR experience as opposed to a game? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, so. that is a thing. If you've used Gear VR in particular, they have what they market as experiences. They're not games. Mm. They're mm. usually uh, the one that comes by default with Gear. I think is called the Blue, which there is actually now a version yeah. on Vive, which probably looks a lot better because the Gear one is like. Yeah, you want PS2 graphics? We got them. You want PS2 Whale? We've got a PS2 Whale over here, but it is running at high frame rate, so there's that. But uh, you can go through there, and it's like um, it's a VR, it's like a VR documentary, but CG. So you can look everywhere. You're being taken under the sea, and you see different animals, and like a shark comes at you, and you piss yourself, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> IRL, not in VR. Yeah. But, <laughs> so you don't want to play that one on the plane if you if you have sharks. But the but it, it it's a new genre that that I feel is like a new genre and the logical evolution of kind of the walking simulator because you don't have to walk. It's lovely. You don't have to put the fucking effort in, but you get to experience everything and it does take you to another place. You know? mm -hmm. So I, I think that's the way to go. And I think I, I will play, play, adrift, probably in oxygen-free mode 
just yeah. on VR for that experience. Uh, and I'd be okay with doing that. You know, it's the same. It's a ride. It's a theme park ride. Yeah. That's all, you know, that's all it is, except without the lines, without the queuing. Yeah. That sounds actually worth my time. <laughs> but if you ask me to play that, that means like, that's work. That's not, I'm not playing, that's work. I've got to fucking walk for an hour and a half to hear your pretentious drivel. Uh, no. No, dear Supposedly, Esther. Supposedly, uh, it's like four hours long as well, which is where I kind of hit that point where I'm like, I, I can't do that. Firewatch was roughly that. It was three to four yeah, hours. Yeah, three, three to four but hours. There were some points in Firewatch where I was like, I could do maybe without uh, this part. And yeah. Firewatch actually has the driver, which is like the, the conversations that you have. Whereas in a That's what keeps you going. Just, yeah, you're just you're just alone the whole time, basically. Mm. So it assumes a lot about the level of interest you'll have in it from basically. the get go. Yeah, yeah. Which actually, I know that like this is going on a little long for this section, but I was thinking about it like the way that um, we were talking about like Hyperlight Drifter having like a, a narrative mode, basically where it's just super easy um, for people that are not necessarily into the game mechanically but want the story. I almost need that for like. For a drift, I just need like the novel or the short story just, that the, just the printout. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have this clip note, please. <laughs> give, me the, give me the audio logs or like the Wikipedia synopsis because it's kind of interesting, but I'm not willing to go through like the the mining necessary to get to that. Mm -hmm. you know? Don't you get sort of like repulsed by audio logs in general now? Because I feel like I've seen it so many thousands of times. Like as soon as they come up, I'm like, here yeah. we go again. They, they're yeah. very I don't blame you. Valuable, you know. <laughs> I remember when they were valuable, like novel back at like Bioshock One. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. It depends how well they're done, and also any audio log that forces you to be in the escape pause menu to listen to it, instead of being able to walk mm -hmm. while doing it, is yeah. fucking stupid. So yep. don't do that. I mean, I, I listen to you know, there's some games where I'll be really interested in the audio logs. It's down entirely to the world building. How well did you build that yeah. world to get me yep. interested in what this idiot has to say on this tape? If you've done it yeah. well, I'll care. If you don't, you're wasting my time. I'm not going to look for it. And if you said that, well, that's part of the gameplay. That's part of the value proposition. I was like, well, I didn't give a fuck. So, you know, you needed something compelling. And that yeah. was not compelling to me. But it Bioshock is, it's, is it's probably a, game a good example. Bioshock, I think Bioshock audio logs are very good, personally. Yeah. Uh, Infinites were good, too. I can't mm. make, you, you could walk with those, right? I can't remember. Are you sure? I, I don't or was remember. it Dead Space you couldn't walk with? It was. It, there's definitely one of the. There's definitely been several games where you can't walk with the audio logs, and the, I hate that. Uh, but if you can walk with them, I'm not going to mind, because if I'm walking from point A to point B and there's nothing to do in the process, then having an audio log on is going to help me. Although, right. by doing that, you are distracting me from the fact that you literally put no gameplay in this bit of the game. Yes. In yeah. which case, you're trying to trick me, and I'm on to <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Good indeed. Anyone yeah. play Bunker Punks? Did anybody play Bunker no, Punks? No, no. Uh -huh. Oh, that, that is, that's a board game. You, you're yeah. not allowed to do that because one, you're going to make me jelly that I haven't played Star Wars Rebellion yet. And secondly, it's a <laughs> it board game, out. damn it. Yeah, yeah did anyone go to the Shadows Over Innistrad pre-release this weekend? <laughs> I can't even spell that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. I'm trying to think if I, if I played much. I mean, it's mostly just been like Clash Royale because I've been I've been away for most of the week, so mm -hmm. I haven't really you know, played much at all. You know, played uh, played with fire by standing in a line for four fucking hours in the middle of Texas. Yeah, how was WrestleMania? I want to hear about bullshit. That, you you know? want to hear you want to hear <laughs> my yeah, WrestleMania really rant? You know, it's got nothing to do with video games. And uh, <laughs> here's your disclaimer: you can shoot, you can turn the fuck off right now if you want. When I do releases, I'm plugging after this. All right, I'm gonna. 
because I'm not going to have the chance to fucking do this otherwise. <laughs> WrestleMania 32 was a piece of shit. Uh, I went to WrestleMania 32 with a few friends. It's the first time I've been to WrestleMania. I have been to WWE pay-per-views before. I've been to like a Money in the Bank, a Survivor Series, and a couple of NXTs, and I'm going to another one Thursday, and I love NXT to death. And you know what? They've all been pretty good. WrestleMania, you think, right, you know, no matter how bad this is, it's fucking WrestleMania. There's going to be 100,000 people there. The fucking Stone Cold's going to show up. The Rock's going to show up. There's going to be fucking... Everything is on fire. You know, there's going to be stupid, ridiculous shit um, because that's WrestleMania in a nutshell. And some of those things were true. Stone Cold was there. Something did go on fire. Several things, in fact. There was stupid <laughs> shit, like Shaquille O'Neal in the Battle Royale. No, I'm deadly serious. He was actually mm. in the Battle Royale. That sounds pretty amazing. You'd think. Yeah. Except... <laughs> I would think. <laughs> so we get there at one thirty. Gates are supposed to be, I think, at 4. So we're two and a half hours before the gates even open. So we're going to be in plenty of time, right? Wrong! No, no, no. We were in line for over four and a half hours just to get in the door, as was everybody Jesus. else. Bear in mind, this is the, one of the biggest stadiums in the United States. You would think they'd have this shit down. They didn't. According to them, the Wi-Fi went down, which fucked with the ticket machines. Mm. You know, apparently, eyes also don't work. You know, it's like, <laughs> look at <laughs> Fucking idiots. So... It, four and a half hours, there are no water vendors or drink vendors anywhere. And there's no shade, for the most part. Kids are passing out, quite literally. Like, there's a fucking old guy who's barely on his feet at this point. Do, do the security pass out water or do anything, you know, humane of any description? No. No, they don't. So we're out there dying. I'm in a lot of fucking pain at this point. After four hours of standing up, you know, I'm off my painkillers. I don't have anything to drink to take a painkiller. So I'm in serious fucking trouble. Uh, but I've, So we eventually finally get past the game. We're like, thank fuck. At this point, we've missed three matches already. Wow. Jesus. Bear in mind, we got there like two and a half hours before gates were even supposed to open, and we still missed three matches. So we're pissed. We And then we have to go to this little, like, tent thing to get a wristband because we're on the floor seats because apparently you need that. They were out of wristbands. And they said, you know what? It'll be fine. We're just going to, like, put a thing on the back of your ticket. It's like, all right. We grab some drinks to stop us from dying. We go in. Another 20 minutes of solid queuing in a mass of people that's just, like, barely moving to get to the tunnel, which will take you to the floor seats. What what happens when we get to the security? You need a wristband. I was like, no, they told oh. us they didn't have any. It's like, no, they've got some now. You've got to go back and get them. At this point, I'm just fucking wanted to shoot the guy. Uh, but we get, we, So we go back out, finally get our wristbands, go back in again, get through the mass of people for another 20 minutes. At this point, we've missed most of the ladder match, which means I want to strangle a cat. And we, we enter the tunnel. The tunnel, or the gungeon, as I like to call it, yeah. was never-ending. It was a never-ending mass of people. If you are in any way nervous about being like in close proximity, it, it, like, you, you would freak the fuck out. We had several people faint. There was a girl who had a seizure. It took about 10 minutes for paramedics to get through the crowd of people to get these people. If that was a cardiac incident, they would be dead. Straight up dead. It was a mass of people. It was like herding cattle. That's how people were treated. Fucking cattle. We're in this tunnel for 20 plus minutes. I'm freaking the fuck out in my mind. Like, I'm I'm not nervous in crowds, but this was terrible. I had my fucking mm. uh, antibacterial face mask on because, you know, my immune system's bit shit right now. Uh, thankfully, I didn't catch anything, I don't think. But we finally get to our seats having missed the ladder match. So that's, th you know, three hours late, basically, because the pre-show's two hours. We missed the first match, which was one of the best ones. We get into our seats. You can't see shit. The seats are so wet, badly set out on the floor you could the only thing you can see you can't see the ring at all from here you know we thought we had pretty decent seats these were 600 seats each they wow, were shit you couldn't Jesus. see the fucking ring at Holy all fuck. you could stand up and you could see the top of the turnbuckle at most you had to watch 
a screen, which would have been okay if it wasn't partially obscured by a lightning rig. And it was. So if you were in the nosebleeds for like the $50 to $100 tickets, you would have literally had a better view than we were in $600 floor seats. Because you had a giant titantron that was fucking huge to see this thing. And to add on top of all of that, after all of that, after just like driving me up the wall, after fucking basically putting people's lives at risk, having several people pass out, you know, and all that kind of shit, the whole event was bollocks. It was like every result was terrible. Every one of them. It's like they, it was like Vince McMahon fucking walked onto the stage, bent over, dropped trow, and fucking took a giant shit in the middle of the ring in front of 100,000 fans and said, fuck what you want. Almost every match had a terrible ending. It was the exact opposite of the people we wanted to win. Um, the, the main event was the most boring fucking thing in the universe. I've never seen a, a wrestling match that slow and that dull. Um, the wrong person won, he got booed out of the building, like everything, he did, even every punch he threw, this is Roman Reigns, by the way, the wank yeah. pheasant, as we like to call him. Everybody's favorite. The wank pheasant, yes. He, <laughs> every, every punch he threw, he was booed, and every punch Triple H threw, he was cheered. Bear in mind, Triple H is supposed to be the bad guy in the storyline. <laughs> This is how badly they've executed this. <laughs> Triple H is getting cheered, despite the fact that he's supposed to be the fucking bad guy and has done horrible things. And it was it was slow as fuck. And and they booed. And you know what they did during the live broadcast? They turned the crowd mics down so I that, heard that. Yeah. so that the stream oh couldn't God. hear as bad. They could still hear some of the boos, but we were booing like the basically it was ninety percent boos, ten percent cheers. Like it was wow. a couple of kids and the women who were cheering Roman because he's attractive. And everyone else was booing the fuck out of him. Uh, and that was WrestleMania 32. Like, hot garbage. The Rock comes out, sets his own name on fire in the biggest display of pretentious shit that I've ever seen. He did this with a flamethrower. I just want to point that out. He had a fucking flamethrower. Why? Nobody knows. Uh, he, he goes down to the ring with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, because of course he does. Then spends 20 minutes talking about himself. Down comes a pseudo-popular, like, bad guy wrestler uh, called Bray Wyatt, who's kind of kind of creepy and a bit cryptic. We really like him, you know, because he cuts a really good promo he buries him basically in terms of like he insults him he basically says he ate too many hot pockets and all this other shit and then he literally has a six second match with a guy called eric rowan where he rock bottoms in pins in him and then leaves <laughs> at which point he got his check man it holy is called a finishing shit. move for holy shit <laughs> If, if you told me that that was what it was, I thought you were lying. I thought you made up the worst, like, fantasy WrestleMania in your head, like, the worst, darkest timeline, and you, t <laughs> and you read it off to me. But I saw that. I saw that. I spent hours seeing this. I suffered in the sun for four and a half hours to see that. I what will never, ever go to an event of that size ever again. That was fucking dog shit. <laughs> oh. Maybe you can do it in VR next time. <laughs> you know, it's funny you should say that. Uh, Gear VR, if you go on Gear VR and you download the Milk VR app, there was actually a WWE experience. It's only about three minutes long, but puts you in the middle of the crowd. You know what? I'd pay for that. I would. I would. I don't have to go. I, you know, get, I'll I'll pay what a pay-per-view costs, like, which is 60 bucks. I mean, you don't have to get that now because it's nine ninety nine a month on the network to get them all, which is fine. I'd be fine with that. Just put me in a good seat. I'll pay 60 bucks to watch from the comfort of my home with a VR headset on looking like a tit. Because you know what? I won't have to wait in the line for four and a half hours for the privilege. And I'll be That's able to see be, things. That can't be like too far from the future, right? You're going to have like designated VR cameras, yes. seats in arenas yeah. pretty they're soon. They're starting to, they're putting, there's short things you can get like concert tickets and opera and fucking sports events and shit. 
Mm. One street it's about streaming getting good enough because the amount mm -hmm. of data you have to put through for a full 360 stream is quite high. Yeah. And of course in America, people's internet sucks. So unless you have pretty good Wi-Fi, pretty good setup, you're not gonna be able to stream at a good enough resolution. But when they can do that, I think that's gonna be what sells VR. I really do. Not games. Yeah, that. Yeah. Being able be to attend a concert like that. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's, yeah. I'm, that's, I think that's going to be, like you said, a big selling point for VR, uh, porn. Oops, selling point. Whoa. Uh, hey, the, selling the, porn. No, I mean, no, I mean, he's right. Um, I mean, <laughs> VR porn's been around for like over a year and it is a big selling point. Like a lot uh, of these sites are, are selling their subscriptions on the basis of we've got VR porn now. Did you see the uh, little promo they did for like uh, Dota 2, like competitive watching with the VR? Yeah, I did. So cool. You know, you can watch Twitch in VR. You want eye cancer? Mm -hmm. Chat's right here <laughs> in front of your face. <laughs> But you can also, apparently there's a way to do this with like the Oculus friend thing. You can have virtual versions of your friends watching the same thing as you and you see them right next to you. And when they talk, it kind of comes out in a speech bubble and you can, if they have VR, uh, voiceover, you can hear them to the side of you. You can get so a, like a virtual viewing party. That's Pornhub cool. needs that. <laughs> oh my god. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pornhub viewing party, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, time. Competitive Pornhub viewing. Oh yeah, we got a where's the, ahead of us. Where's the core group of Pornhub viewers? That's, That's good. Really Who is the core ready. group? Ideas, we, we, be rich. we just we don't know the demographics at this point. You know, <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Good times. Very good times, but mm. yeah, that's that. Um, uh, one shout out. One shout out. I will give because it would be unfair not to. Women's match stole the night. Triple Threat that. Women's Night uh, match Charlotte Flair uh, with her father because, you know, he's about 102 now and is a, a walking, talking, dancing fossil. Uh, Sasha Banks and <laughs> Becky Lynch. Awesome match. And they finally replaced that stupid fucking pink butterfly belt, which had Diva's belt on it, with mm. a women's belt that is the same as the heavyweight belt. It's just white and red instead nice. of being black and gold. Good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. It's Take this seriously. Just as somebody on Twitter to watch all these people that I follow who love WWE for like the past two years to shit all over WWE. It was a nightmare yesterday, man. My God. <laughs> or not yesterday. Uh, when was that? It was Sunday. 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 Sunday was the yeah. night. Yeah. The Twitter hashtag was full of people shitting on the event. I mean, we do that a lot as wrestling fans. You know, we're worse than game fans. So we, <laughs> we're, we're in like a fucking Stockholm syndrome with WWE. Like where they'll do one thing good and then 20 bad things and we're waiting for the next good thing. Mm. Oh, um, but apparently Raw last night was good. I'm like, oh god, just don't don't drag me back in, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right, we're already running over time right now, so I I think we'll probably wrap it up. I'm gonna do a very quick reading of the releases for this week. We're not gonna talk about the games because we just don't have the time. Uh, but I'm gonna read them off anyway. So today, uh, a lot of VR shit, including Hover Junkers, VR Vanishing Realms, which was that torch game I was talking about, Audio Shield, which is apparently great, Modbox, Space Pirate Trainer, which was the twin uh, akimbo shooting game, the Galloway episode one, Call of Star Seed, Enter the Gungeon is the first non-VR game. That's out today. That's out right now. We've talked a lot about that. There'll be a video from me definitely in the next couple of days. Those guys are already playing it because they're ahead of the curve like that. Europa, Europa Universalis Four Men Nostrum, uh, which is another expansion for the grand strategy from Paradox. Cloudlands VR Mini Golf, Hotel Blind, Good Robot, Gunjack, which is the Eve turret game. The Blue, which is not a game. That's the Shark game, which isn't a game. Uh, so that's the VR stuff. Uh, April the 6th, Age of Conquest 4. Uh, Campus Notes Forget Me Not. 
Impulse, Kill to Collect, and Amaranthine are the releases for April the 6th. April the 7th, Slime Jumper, Tibetan Quest Beyond the World's Edge, A Blind Legend, Bullshot, which is a great name, because that's the name of a bullshit screenshot. I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> it's the new Pokemon <laughs> Snap, folks. That's what it is. The uh. Fifth Expedition, A Triage, Echo Tone, Chiku, MGP, MXGP2, which I think is a motorcycle game, I guess, and Axes and Acres, which I assume is a lumberjack simulator. I don't know. Nice. We need one of those. We do. We need several. There, there is actually a like, woodcutter lumberjack simulator. That is a thing. So you oh, can. Good. That definitely. I'd, I'd have that in VR, definitely. April the 8th, Decent Icons. It's like, when did you buy a game called Decent Icons? Like, <laughs> what about awesome icons? Great icons. I don't Satisfactory know. icons. It's so all right, icons. <laughs> no. Silver Bullet, Prometheus, uh, Tenro, The Hero Project, Redemption Season, Virtual Rogue, Glitch Runners. I've heard a bit about Glitch Runners, actually. Yeah, me that's, too. That's supposed to be kind of neat. Fortify, Bleak, Welcome to Glimmer, and Aurora RL. 9th of April, Tower Unite, Automator Empire, Warden Melody of the Undergrowth, Istralade, and Party Saboteurs. And last but by no means least, that's uh, Monday before, obviously, next week, where Dark Souls 3 comes out and everybody just, like, disappears into the ether for a while. Judgment Apocalypse Survival Simulation is on the 11th of April, and that, that is next Monday. Cool. Those are the games. And these have been the guests, so they get the chance to plug the living shit out of what they're doing for a while. Which, to be fair, they've already been sneaking in over the last three hours. We've been like trying as hard as we can. Experts yeah. at podcasting, weird. ladies and gentlemen. Let's start with Mr. Bear <laughs> Taffy. What's coming up in channel this week? What's going on? What can people expect? Hey, uh, we are playing... Actually, the group of us are all doing a little mini-series here for Shellshock Live, which I thought we might even talk about today, but, uh, you know, it's just a fun little tank game. Okay. Uh, we're doing that, a little round-robin tournament sort of thing there. I'm also playing Enter the Gungeon, shockingly. Yeah. Uh, also, continuing yeah, continuing a long-going playthrough of Darkest Dungeon that I've had on my channel. Uh, I am also, as we mentioned, the host of Roundtable. This is the group here, all of us, Roundtable. We host the sh or we put on the show every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern over on twitch.tv slash Roundtable Podcast. There you go. Rockley Smile, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your channel this week. What's going on? Hey, I'm Rockley Smile. You can find me on youtube.com slash Rockley Smile. I play a lot of uh, kind of creative indie games, artistic type things in general. Those walking simulators we bring up pretend generally my forte. Uh, I'm going to be playing a lot of Gungeon, though, this week, obviously, yeah. as everyone has been. I'm probably going to be streaming, like, right after this. Um, what else am I doing? I've, I've been working on Dark Souls quietly, but, you know, we're not really talking about that yet. Um, and playing a lot of Shellshock, uh, like you said. So, you know, me and Bear kind of aligned on the same stuff. Very That's cool. Me. Yep. If you wonder where these people's YouTube channels are, right here. Just below. You see that? There's the name. Mm -hmm. You can see it. It's oh, easy. Anyone can do that. Mathis! I mean, we know who Hi. you are, you bastard. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, uh, my channel is full of just random bullshit. Um, I play, I got Gungeon going on. I've got Danganronpa, Honeycamp Studio, Stardew Valley, you name it. I'm playing it. Uh, but I also started a new series that's scripted, formatted, called Judge Mathis, where I take a look at a game, whether it's old or new, and uh, I kind of either tear it apart or praise it for whatever reason and hopefully make you laugh in the process. Cool. You can check that out over at Mathis Games. Scum egg, tell me. Yeah. What is what uh, is going on for you? Over at uh, youtube.com slash northern lion, I, I guess my hallmarks are I upload a lot of indie roguelites. So Enter the Gungeon's a big one, of course. Isaac, Nuclear Throne, Darkest Dungeon, etc., etc. And uh, the other hallmark is that there's just a lot of videos, like 
all too the time many <laughs> possibly too many um enough to alienate some people but uh enough to to really draw draw you in if you have a lot as much free time as i do apparently and the other thing is that uh nick and i monday wednesday thursday do a stream of variety games on twitch called the northern lion live super show every uh 3 to 6 p.m pacific standard time on those days except wednesdays are a little earlier at uh, twitch.tv slash northern lion where we play new stuff and multiplayer stuff and basically just just shoot the breeze and have have conversations that are not dissimilar to the off-topic stuff we got into today on the podcast indeed four hours of duck game courtesy of northern lion that has been known <laughs> several, to happen. a lot <laughs> i would love to say we didn't play it yesterday but we did you did we did because it's fucking great let's be honest it's amazing yeah it's, it's so 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 very very good Oh, okay, what's going on with my chance week? There will actually be content. Obviously, I've taken it. I took a week off to spend with the parents, then go to WrestleMania, which obviously I do regret. Not the parents, please don't. But <laughs> I do. I do have stuff coming. Uh, I probably I might get my end of the Gungeon video done tonight, but I shouldn't say that because then you'll complain when I don't. But um, I'll probably work on that for the rest of the evening. I want to try and get past the third boss, and then maybe I can talk about it. So probably Gungeon video coming. Uh, VR is going to be our focus for the next couple of weeks because I do have Oculus and Vive. I'm going to be looking at a lot of the launch titles. I'm going to be giving you the best kind of interpretation of my experience I can. It's a bit hard to describe. It's a very new form of media. It's very hard to make a video without you also owning the headset. I could make a 360 video. Very fucking hard to do it, but not impossible. But if you didn't have a headset, you wouldn't be able to fucking watch it anyway. So we'll be doing probably a 2D thing with multiple like cameras to show hand movement, tracking of the head, it's going to be way complicated and I'm going to fuck it up, no doubt. So that's going to be coming. Uh, I'll be talking about Vive first, probably, because I've got more experience with it. And then I'll talk about Oculus. And I may do a direct head-to-head -head video just because the fanboys will be super fucking pissed off if I do that. Uh, just to try and tell you, look, you know, which is the headset you, if you wish to buy now, is actually, you know, are you going to pick up? Which is better for your usage scenario? Because uh, there's probably a bit of a difference there. Mm. Outside of that... There are other games, uh, obviously, coming out over the next few weeks I'd like to look at. I'd like to answer one question, though, which is, am I going to be looking at Quantum Break? The problem with Quantum Break is the same problem that Killer Instinct and Gears of War had. Yep. It's a Windows 10 store game. What that means is it's a UWP and not an EXE. Right now, it is impossible to run an overlay, including Fraps, DxTory, basically any capture software, with those games. The only way to do it is to do screen region in a window, which doesn't look anywhere near as good. It slows the computer down. I'd have to do it with something like XSplit or OBS, which wouldn't look anywhere near as good as my, you know, like lossless capturing and such. Um, and they are also, they don't work with G-Sync. They don't work with SLI. There's a bunch of other problems with them. I don't really want to cover them until they fix that because it's really hard to film them. The Xbox capture thing captures at 20 megabits per second, which means it looks like hot garbage. So it's not uh, even worth it. Yeah, um, I'm so it, disappointed with that. I really yeah. want to play Killer Instinct so much. I couldn't even log in. I tried over the course of two days to log in to play it, and it said it hit X to sign in, and it wouldn't fucking sign in at all. So I don't know what the fuck is wrong with it. It's it's busted, and I'm not covering it until they fix it. I can't even do a proper frame rate analysis because I can't run a frame rate overlay. So what the hell am I supposed to say when I do my port report? Well, I think it runs at about this. 
No. <laughs> no. You mean you haven't developed your eyes to the point where you can My pick eyes, out individual they're frames? They're pretty good. I can tell yeah. you the difference between 30, 60, and tell you the difference between 60, 120. I can't tell you if that's 57 or 58, though. That's a little yeah. bit too much. <laughs> Shadow play doesn't work. Nothing works. It's bullshit. <laughs> Until they fix all of that, I am not covering Windows 10 games. It's not going to happen, except for Ashes of Singularity, which is not on that store it's on steam i'll cover DirectX 12 absolutely i'm not covering windows store games until they fix that shit it's not worth it why would i want to try and sell you a game that's that fucked no 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 microsoft is dumb they need to fix it once they fix it i'll cover the shit there's the answer done all right, you have been watching the Coactional Scumcast right here with the full cast around table. I'd like to thank all of you, by the way, for stepping in for the laziness that is Jesse and Dodger. <laughs> Anytime. Big, thank, thank you so you. much for having us. Yeah, and if they want to watch the Roundtable podcast, which I believe is happening this week, where did they go? How did they do it? Where is it? What the fuck? They go to twitch.tv slash roundtable podcast if you want to catch it live. Again, it's 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you want to catch it on iTunes, you should just be able to search Roundtable Podcast or Roundtable Live. One of the two should work in there. It's also on SoundCloud. If you want to download the MP3, you can do so that way. There you go. Nice and easy. Check out the Roundtable Podcast. It's, I don't know how similar it is to what we just did, honestly. It's almost exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> But big thanks to them for filling in today. Obviously, there's a lot of, lot of time they committed to this. So be do please go visit their channels. Northern Lion Bear, Taffy Rockley, Smile and Mathis Games. You can subscribe to them. We've got links right below. So that's nice and easy. And of course, big thanks today to our sponsor, squarespace.com slash cooptional and our merchandise store, Maker Shop, buy my goddamn shirts. Thank you very much. Uh, tinyurl.com slash banepool if you want to go to that link. Buy my goddamn shirts. Thank you very much. We have been today the co-optional podcast with the crossover. What is it they call it in Japan? What is it like co-optional cross X yeah. going to deliver to you? Yeah, X, <laughs> X roundtable. I got to get in there Fuck somewhere. You to get it on your own. Press X to roundtable. I mean, X, well, X will deliver to you. You don't have to get it on your own at all. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty good. You know, knock knock. Arf, arf. Right, we're pretty much done. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Big thank you, folks. Thank you. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.